Hey Skyfarers and welcome to AFACast, the Caradon Overlords podcast where today we're going to be talking about negative play experience, um, how it can come about with Caradon Overlords and how you can avoid it. Um, but before we do, let's meet the crew for tonight's voyage. So we have our very own Uniter of the Dwarden, our Grom Rindle, Dwarden Max, Max Bowman, welcome. Hello, hello everyone. And uh, we have our thunderer from Down Under, our gunnery sergeant, Alexander Cron. Morning, everyone. <laughs> and we have our uh, tree enthusiast, captain of our Arknauts. It's uh, Mr. Matt Barker. Hey, everybody. Coming to you live from sunny Southern California. <laughs> Fresh off a cross-country move and ready to talk some Caradron Overlords. <laughs> I need to think of uh, a better intro for you that involves Sylvaneth or something. Something like Brian. <laughs> Nobody well, we watching this show. What I'm going to be doing if we ever do. <laughs> I, I we we did talk about what I'm planning if we ever do a how to beat Sylvaneth uh, um, show. So I'll be very excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> we should probably explain for anyone confused that Matt is a tree surgeon, or the, is it arborist? Is the technical term tree hugger. Um, but uh, and, oh, and we've got some people in the I chat. Some Stephen trees, Mark. I cut some down. It's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Muss, uh, Clockwork Tegu, hello to you in the chat and to anyone else that's uh, around. Um, so, and we also might be joined by uh, Kyle, uh, Beards of Glory, in a little bit. He was here a second ago and then he lost power. So, uh, his endrins are failing. Yes, <laughs> going down. Uh, so oh, no. before we man overboard, yeah, send the parachutes. Um, but before we uh, dive into negative play experience, let's have a positive experience and talk about the news. So, if you have haven't seen what's happening, oh boy, we saw this boy. Yeah, oh, we saw more than this boy, but he's the best of the boys. Yeah. So, yeah, a new Cowdron Overlords hero. Um, he's a captain of a ship um, that uh, from Warhammer Quest, uh, the guy, he basically is how they all get to the place, the Cursed the City. Curse, the Cursed City, yes, to Wolfenkern. Wolfenkern, that, or what, what's it called? Wolfenkern? Wolfenkern. Wolfenkern. Okay. Yeah. I should probably know that. <laughs> oh, well. So, uh, yeah. He looks cool. Um, we talked about him before, you know, when we had the artwork and the silhouette. So we've mm -hmm. uh, we've learned a little bit more about him. Not a huge amount. We still don't know much about the backpack. Like we can see it from the front. But... Mm -hmm. It's got the. It does have those scales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so me and Max were talking about this just a little while ago before the streets are. This uh, the bit that's hanging off this one on the left is like a. It's like a, a comb with a base with like an opening in it, so you can put something in it. So I guess you know you put something in it and then you can weigh it. Mm -hmm. Ready then, to do business there's two, there's two during things. the quest. There's so the two question is, I love about this miniature. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, uh, Kron. No, uh, you go ahead. All right, so there's two things that love about this miniature. First is the trench coat, 
we've never I don't think we've seen <clears throat> another Caradron Overlord mini with with a trench coat or a cape or any other kind of clothing outside of uh, um, outside of the uh, the armor. And I just love the uh, the the continuation of GW and their amazing name with the pun. He's like nice holding stock. Yes, he is definitely holding the stock of his guy. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I also, um, I just noted the uh, the pink on the side, so he can just like real like he's like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. So he get over here and then just like reel him back in. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> all on the uh, sky hook. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, you you missed it a bit, Matt, because you were going to the shop to buy headphones. Um, <laughs> but before the show, we were talking about the hand crank here, um, and it's in a weird position, like. If that's to crank this rope, it's, it needs to be here. <laughs> like, but so yeah, it does. We're, we're not sure what it does. Yeah, because um, there's no connection. There's no gear gear set or anything. So we're not sure why it's there. And at least suggested it might just be uh, a handle to hold the, the whole gun instead of cranking. Anything. Talking about the crank? Yes. <laughs> but it, looks, it, it definitely looks like a crank, though. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's got a little screw in, like that. It should. Although the the, the part where you grip it doesn't seem to have a, a bearing, and you'd expect it to to also be pivoting, so you can keep the position. Because then, if not, then your hand is just turning yeah, the whole thing. time. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to figure the physicality of this gun out. Maybe there's yeah. a jack in the box on the other side. Like he's just bored. Maybe he uses it as, as like a lure, and then mm. he shoots. <laughs> well, we know, we know. It, it also has a scope. We can see. Mm. Oh so, yeah, because we talked about that when we had the art. But you can see the tiny little yeah. bit of blue here, which you can't yeah, see yeah. now. <laughs> and it has um, a yeah. a flap, a lid that you can close on, like a hunting yeah. rifle. Yeah. So I think. This is a seems to be a kind of weapon you need two hands to to fire, like one mm -hmm. to rest it on and the other one against your shoulder. No, he just, so he maybe like that. that. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Holds the axe, puts maybe. the gun over it. Maybe. Uh, he's, yeah, I'd love if we had some animation movie for this game. Like he'd be such a badass. Just. I also love how the gun from like from like back of the stock to the uh, uh, to the tip of the uh, the sky hook is probably taller than the actual dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's with most weapons. It does even with the axes <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Well, it's it, like you mentioned the stock. The, the stock is uh, quite a bit different to like a normal Skyhook stock. It's a lot yeah. more ornate. Um, yes. So and it looks a lot customized. Like it, it, it resembles the the weapon of the witch hunter, mm -hmm. or the the other guy we've seen the the prince, the the flamboyant walking uh, hero we've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, his gun is similar, yeah. Generally, he's quite ornate in what he's wearing anyway. Like, mm. he's got, like, the headdress thing that, like, riggers have, um, like, around, like, the nice... Yeah, the, the Admiral has that as well, yeah. Yeah. But then, he like, he's got these fancy buckles on the front. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Arcanauts have those. Yeah, but theirs feel more utilitarian. This feels more like a dress uniform... I mean, like you know, like uh, mm. he has the he has the neck collar though, the metal where you yeah. Fusion. So I and think 
oh, I'm really bad at I'm drawing over everything rather than around things. Like <laughs> we've not seen this before, like cushioned, like nice padded with rivets, like mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Like there's he's, he's definitely an admiral. So I think the the thing you just pointed out, that's just the inside of his uh, sleeves that he's oh, folded okay, backwards, you know, rolled them back. And I think okay, so uh, his the the buttoning on the front that and the trouser that just looks like normal Arcanaut gear, to be honest. It's just painted blue and, and white instead of the normal colors what, they use. What's, what's so what's special the about his, uh, his his uh, mask? There is that. Where do those cords go? Those those yeah, it could be the rebreather thing that a chemist has. But then why is his nose in the open? Hmm. Like <laughs> he's not wearing. Just the beard, his beard is masked. Over the mouth and the nose. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, it's yeah he's not a good uh, COVID uh, representative here. It's not very COVID no. safe. Mouth braver. Um, uh, and yeah, personally, yeah. I'm, I like that they mixed the whole uh, eye patch with a lens thing. But I'm not sure I like so the, the naked head. I might put on the uh, Bookman's uh, helmet onto this guy, maybe. <laughs> uh, I quite like it. I, it's a shame it doesn't go over the nose because then it would make it feel realistic to me. It's weird mm. how it goes over his ears. So maybe it's just like a communication thing. Mm. But who with? Because he's the only coward on in the... Well, with the, the other guys in the ship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just some bombs. bombardment onto the exactly. field. Yeah. He has oh, a special he ability. ability. He just like, calls in a calls in a bombardment. Bombs all the bombs all the vampires. And Lee, you pointed out the uh, the more detailed uh, rope uh, in, yes. uh, earlier in the chat. That's a that's a really mm. interesting feature we haven't seen before too. Mm. But it feels thicker as well. Thicker, oh, but oh. it looks a bit. Which, as we said, it, the whole weapon seems ha like handcrafted or oh, custom. So that rope is the same that they have that the chemist has. It's it's the same tube that the chemist. Um... Oh, no, yeah, the tube is, yes, but we're talking well. about the rope. We're talking about this. Oh right. Oh, it is more detailed. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah cool. it's a proper rope and not uh, a cable that the the engine riggers or sky wouldn't have on their weapon. He's weapons. a self-respecting mm. Duarden, and I suspect that he uses a proper half-inch double-braided rope and not that curd mantle bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, whatever that means. <laughs> and, uh, Stephen, You're getting too technical. Stephen says that he likes the wind on his skull. <laughs> when he's flying around. Um, I think it's really maybe. cool is like, can you imagine because he has, you know, the axe in one hand, it'd be cool if it was a pickaxe, but he could like hatch onto some, you know, like a wooden plank or something while he's chasing down a vampire. And like, he's hanging out from the side, kind of like Batman. He's got his, and he's got like the skyhook gun in one hand. He's like shooting at vampires and stuff. Like there's so many cool dynamic, like, um, like ideas you could have with this guy just, Hooking onto a um, onto a wall and slingshotting over, and then like you know, kind of like Titanfall kind of. This guy's just hopping around. He's so cool. A parkouring dwarf. <laughs> nah, he looks very down to earth. Everything I ever wanted. Such a cool model. It's interesting that he has the the gorge, the the little thing hanging on his belt, uh, mm. the same as a chemist has. Mm. Um, oh. He has the same tubing on his weapon that a chemist has. But then he has some sort of key and a map on his yeah, side. Oh, treasure hunter. He's got a very 
pirate feel to him like that. I didn't notice originally, but like, yeah, that's definitely a key. That's a key, yeah. And keys are a big theme in the whole in the whole set. If you look at the other models, even rats have keys <laughs> in these yeah. in these minion models. So it's not the key to the ship, then. I doubt it would be uh, just the one. Oh, is it the key to the captain's quarters on the ship? Maybe. Well, Maybe. It's, so it's, is the it's ship actually part of the lore? City, like, so does he I have a ship? Where he hunts vampires? No, yeah. we know that from the backstory. He's the captain of the ship that brought all these heroes to this city. Gotcha. Like oh, badass! Oh my god! <laughs> um, so he, I think the real question. Yeah, he's got these um, little studs as well on the. Okay. Those are the, the buttons. Uh, they could be. Yeah, they go really low down, but they mm -hmm. could be buttons. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe it's not a dwarf-sized coat. Maybe he took that from a <laughs> <laughs> human. It's just trench too long. <laughs> Someone else's trench coat. Yeah. That's why the sleeves are rolled up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we cracked it. He stole he took it from a vampire. He killed. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of uh, Kron, what were you, Kron, what were you about to say? I'm going to get the question. Uh, is this guy going to get rules in AOS? Do people in these games usually get rules? Yes, so far, yes. The, the Silver, Silver they, Tower ones did. Didn't they, they show did. a whole scroll book? Yes, but if you look, there's also a photo they showed of the whole table, like the, the game in action. And you can see the war scrolls, and those are not AOS war scrolls. They have a, like the window with the characteristic movement and some other things, but then they have three or four windows where you place dice, similar to um, to Warcry. I think you roll dice and then you use the values in some combinations, maybe. Uh, so like doubles and triples and, and that thing. So uh, the book they had is not for the heroes. That's for I think the minions because there are so many different ones. It's just a, a book where you like quickly can go through or the game master goes through or something. Um, so, I mean, but usually, I mean, yes, these people have war scrolls in Age of Sigma. So the, the Silver the last, Tower had it. Yeah. Yeah. The last Silver Tower had them. They weren't amazing war scrolls, but they were war scrolls. Oh. Yeah, but some of them were just bad. <laughs> like the Doomseeker for the Fire Slayers. He's just the worst of all the heroes. <laughs> You don't see him in any play, but the Gaunt I mean, Summoner, for, he's great. For the so, most yeah. part, the, the, the best yeah, the thing in AOS that this there. guy is going to bring is just a new sculpt, a new model that you can use for you know conversions or even just at a bare minimum a count as as an admiral mm. or a chemist or even just yeah. a, as, a, as a great skyhook piece in, in whatever unit you want to use. Mm. I, I plan on picking mm, yeah. up a, a, hopefully a couple of these so I can use... One is the the model itself, but also um, you know for, as a basis for conversions and for the bits. This is this is this is stupendous. And the rest of the models in the Cursed City box look absolutely wonderful. I'm very excited about this kit. Yeah, same. Oh, we're planning on using a lot of the models from this kit in this Cursed Strahd campaign. They're <laughs> too good. Not to get too off topic, but those zombies with the with the gravestones and the and the fencing that are still attached to their back. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. The roots yeah, the and everything going through them. Almost everything cost. in that box. I think 150 pounds. That wouldn't be too bad. Mm. So it's probably, yeah. what do you think, Kyle? Like 175 US dollars? 200. Um, and like, I would be surprised if it cost more than the catacomb box, but that's at the same time. It's a lot of models. Like, didn't it say 42 for 60 the 60 uh, models? 42, he, 42 60 models in total. Villains, yeah. It's a lot of models. I mean, 
Well, no, yeah. there's 42 villains and eight heroes and then 10 objective markers, aren't there? Yeah. 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 They're counting the objective markers as models. And then they're giving oh, you there. a book, too? Come on, like there's, a, there's a hardback book that comes There's books, well. rules books, uh, <laughs> cards, tiles, 28 die. So it's a whole, it's a whole big game yeah, set. So I think 150 pounds is somewhere around here. I think it's fair, but at that point, actually, I feel like it'd be like a good deal. Like <laughs> that's a... yeah, maybe it's even more. Maybe they go crazy. I, I'm afraid. It. Like I was looking at, it, like man, this could be 300 bucks, right? Like, but um, I hope not. I hope not, right? That seems that seems okay. unrealistic. But at the same time, there's so much crap that's packed in there. Um, it is a lot, but there's no terrain in there, so yeah, it's I don't know. It's gonna be over three hundred Australian dollars. Just this, yeah, okay, just, because you're down there. Just, just accept ludicrous yeah. prices for everything. Three hundred dollar uh, dues. Yeah. Three, yeah. Wow. It's yeah, Leah. Uh, that's I'll right. We're used to it. <laughs> like. 20% off. <laughs> but uh, my two questions, or big questions, are going to be is are the models like multi part kits or are they push fit? Um, really the last silly. ones were not push fit. Well, they weren't push fit. Okay. So the Doomseeker. That's they weren't. And the Barbarian, whatever he's called, is not. I don't know all the models. So I but don't this think. This is a named character. The Doomseeker was not, right? No, he was not. I mean, he had he had a name in the narrative of the game. Oh, did he? I okay. never, I never, I never played the game. To be honest. So that, so Dragon here get a named character war scroll, or Dragon here get a generic. Uh, the thing is, if he's going to get a named, he might get a skyport keyword. Mm. Yeah, and it's gonna, it's it's gonna be Nah because they're all in Nah. But he well, looks sketchy. <laughs> this guy, he looks, they he looks like a monarch guy. He doesn't have they, the Nar colors. He, He's blue he and does yellow. look like a monarch guy. So he looks he's blue and yellow, yeah, maybe Zilfin. Come on, come on. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, or, or he's a he's a he has a different sky port, and then it's just like he cannot gain the the keyword from the thing, but he buffs buffs Caradon or I don't know. Yeah. Maybe even buffs friendly order units. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but exciting. But it's just not that model. But the old government, I mean, we have a new bedroom Vargolf model we've the, seen. Uh, <laughs> so for, if you play death, this box is awesome. You get zombies, you get bats, you get rats, you get vampires, Skeletons. you get vampire ogres and ogre zombies. And what, like, Jesus. This show today was awesome. So much cool stuff. Yeah. And it was like there wasn't that um, really slow bit in between. No. There was like rapid fire. We were on the schedule there. Yeah. Oh, we have this little hero. Yeah, he's cool. He's a nice night on hero. Oh, we have another one, and they just cut them off and started yeah. the next video. Like, here's a new Stormcast hero, <laughs> and here's the next uh, Soulblight uh, White King on horse. Yeah, That's awesome, in my opinion. I was surprised. Uh, and what gives me hope is those little, like, single heroes for factions, like Stormcast, Nighthaunt. This guy, okay, he's a he's this the start of the whole Soulblight Gravelord people probably. Yeah. But maybe we'll get we get another. Dwarf hero or another uh, fire slayer hero, or I don't know, yeah, dispossessed hero, just or city hero that we can use outside mm -hmm. of a of a whole army release or book release. Mm -hmm. 
I got triggered so hard because I thought that White King was going to be like a new reveal for new uh, uh, Blood Knights. Or, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I was so triggered because I've got like, I've got a bunch of money saved up on uh, Games Workshop gift cards. I'm just ready to start pre-ordering like a boss if they ever come out like a full Blight Lords or, or uh, not Blight Lords, a uh, Soul Blight Army. And I was just like, oh, here it is, here it is. And then it was we. White King. We have been waiting for plastic um, Blood Knights since seventh edition, seventh edition Fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's plastic it's all over again. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, but still, um, it's cool. Gives me hope. Uh, they're doing a lot. Uh, I mean, let's not talk about the bazillion of new elf war scrolls and new books and terrain pieces. And I like the terrain piece. Like, come I like on! I don't need an piece. army with this. Is like Gits and Skaven combined. This this book now. <laughs> I want to have like thirty war scrolls. What is this? Like, I know people wanted high elves. They got high elves with a zoo. Okay, cool. But they, they, like, they don't deserve all this stuff where Fire Slayers still have three units. It's yeah. not fair. It is not when, fair. When elves and Slanish get updated, they get updated, they get a book, they get 15 new war scrolls, and they get dice. What do we get? One man. One yeah. guy. Without without a war scroll, poor Bookmanson. He doesn't even have a war scroll. <laughs> like, oh, and when Fire Slayers got rebooted, oh, you get these three prayers in the terrain piece. Okay. This is Discrimination Games Workshop, and we will not stand yeah. for it. It's pretty <laughs> sad, not going to lie. But do it gives me hope. And make my city usable. <laughs> I will say, I do feel vindicated when the first um, uh, Realm Lords release dropped that it, it didn't have the words Order Battle Tome right above the, uh, uh, the, the name of the faction. And I knew it wasn't like a proper Battle Tome and that very quickly they were going to be getting something. And when they revealed it today, it, it did say Order Battle Tome right above the Lumineff Realm Lords. Um, mm. I, so, so that, that was, uh, I was, I felt very vindicated. That you might be because that one was a limited edition. The limited edition don't have the order battle tome. Yeah, that thing. that that book is valued at eighty dollars, and it didn't even have a year long lifetime. Yeah, I'm happy <laughs> I sold my two copies. <laughs> they, uh, they said that you don't need to buy the new one. You have to yes. only buy the uh, Techless book, which costs almost as much. Hmm. It will cost more because it's a thicker book. Yeah. So, like, uh, like I feel so bad for buying Marathi. I feel so stupid, right? I mean, the, that book kind uh, of stuff, the narrative is nice. There's a lot of you great would... lore in there, though. There is. You'd feel like stupid the if you bought the limited edition one. <laughs> um, I mean, do you guys yeah. think that anything from this uh, Warhammer quest will be available separately? Or do you think it's you buy the no. set or that's it? No, it will be uh, in the book. I reckon they'll be available separately in about a year's time after the box gets released. That's what happened mm. with Silver Tower, wasn't it? Was it? Because you yeah, can buy the, the hero, that's true. The, the heroes, the heroes, then came out later. Yeah. Eventually, so I don't, I don't think the, the minions they won't like the nah. zombies, and those are too special for to the game. The heroes, maybe depends if if you can play the the end boss in 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 the vampire faction, maybe. Well, the Could minions be. stuff might come out as units. 
Yeah, but then those the ones we mentioned, the ghouls, we've still impaled with their braced. Those are like specific to this story. So I don't know if they're. Yeah. Who knows? But you know, people will buy the book, uh, the box, and then just sell everything on eBay for double the price, building old models, and you know. And then it will be the whole Indomitus fiasco again that I want to buy a box because I want to play it and I can't find it. And then they make, oh, we'll make a made to order and it will be available next Christmas. And, yeah. Okay, cool. Been there, did that. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Because if not, yeah. there's a lot to talk about that reveal. I think we only need to talk about the KO model because we're KO podcast. So. Yeah, go watch the Twitch or go read the article. There's loads of stuff. It was yeah. great to see a lot of stuff. Cool. So let's move on to negative play experience. Um, so let's start with what it is. It's um, when we don't get new models for our fire slayers. That's negative experience <laughs> right there. It's because nobody likes fire slayer models. You know, we have We don't have enough because they say, oh, they all look the same. We'll make some that look different. We have never gotten to Arden Dice. For any Dwarden faction. That's not true. Forces have dice, but you cannot read them. I still have them. They're mint, oh. still wrapped. Um, I'm not going to use them because no one can I read use them. them. I love them. They look great. Plus, I don't like the, the big, squarey ones without the round the round corners because they don't roll as nice. And I can't, I can't throw never, never 40 shots. You can use them and cheat very easily if you know what they look like. <laughs> yeah, no, those are... They're cool, but not usable. Mm. But yeah, we got those, and um, <clears throat> if it cast nice, <clears throat> maybe soon. <clears throat> the new uh, new dollars of cane dice are usable, but they're not thirty five dollars worth because they're absolutely like ununique. They're just the same as anything you can make yourself. So... No, those are the slanish ones. The slanish ones you can have made yourself, mm. which are cool. That, the dollars of cane ones—they look... look like cheap plastic, like red cheap plastic. <laughs> The doors of cane ones, I think, probably look better in real life. I think they look worse in the pictures than they probably do. Having seen I'm... them in real life, they still look just as bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like, I I like going... the old ones, the marbled purple and white oh, ones. They were, like, yeah, shadowy. Yeah. and those were cool. But, yeah, the, the Slanish, I like those kind of dice with round corners. The, the like, super square ones that GW sometimes do does, nah. They don't roll as, as nice, and then don't mind, let's not talk about that stupid luminous barrel, whatever that is. Like, no. I mean, at least it weren't squid dice. But, uh, yeah. So let's get back on track. <laughs> so, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> negative play experience is essentially when one or more players is getting frustrated or bored with the game. Um, that is it, really. Um, uh, normally, when you hear people talk about negative play experience, they go, "Well, it's shooting, or it's you know something else." But at its core, it's definitely an airplane somewhere. Oh, I, there's an airplane over mine. No, I'm gonna get myself. Uh, uh, you're being a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, more like a gun hauler, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Uh, so, but this is a definition you could apply to any game. Um, so, but then there's probably different categories of MPE. Um, so, uh, this is a lot. This show is pretty much inspired by like, the Warhammer Weekly 
show where they looked, they did, they did the big survey. And I it's very, it's worth watching. Um, fair warning, it's three and a half hours long. But if you're watching April Plus, then that you know you should be. But one hour of that is just a news bit. You can skip yeah. the first hour and then they get to the main topic. Yeah, we managed to keep the news to twenty-seven minutes today, so good for us. Um, but yeah, it's worth watching. I've watched it twice because of prep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so um, yeah, there's lots of information, uh, stats and stuff about you know what people think in terms of you know the game mm-hmm. and in player experience. Um, and then there's also been some recent discussions on Facebook, you know, about this. So you know, people saying like, oh well, my friends don't like playing against my Caldon Overlord. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we're doing the show. Um, and so that got me thinking about it and. It felt strange to always be talking about the details of it and not uh, trying to categorise this or, you know, trying to define what it is a bit more. So I've come up with three categories of MPE, which I think most of the ones from the Warhammer Weekly show you can sort of fit into either one of these or maybe they fit into, you know, tick two or three of the boxes. Uh, so the first one is you know, a lack of agency or engagement for your opponent for prolonged periods of time so that's you know if your turn just takes for ages and then just not get to do anything at all then they're basically going to get bored um that's pretty much it but it's not like agency is like you know having the opportunity to actually do something and have a control like impact on the game but engagement is also important important because some types of agency just if you know if what you're doing isn't fun or interesting to you then it doesn't matter that you're doing something like rolling saves is one of those examples because people always talk about interactivity don't they they say oh it's not interactive mm-hmm. well i pushed back on people that in the past because they don't qualify what interactivity means and that's why i think engagement comes in because you know if you're rolling saves you're interacting with the game you're interacting with what i've just done but it's fucking boring as shit <laughs> Feel no pains. I'm having a great time. Yeah. (laughs) Depends what you're rolling. Yeah, and engagement is really important. Like when you're playing a game, like you, a lot of that comes down to communication. Um, Like if you're, if you're a fun person to play against, if you're, you know, like I don't know. I mean, it's not personality, is it? But it's whether you you're disengaged with it's what's how happening. you approach and it communicate with your opponent. Because if he uh, rolls great saves and he just saves all your carbine shots for me, ironclad, and you're like in innerly, you're like, oh Jesus, like how is, this is not fair. <laughs> a, yeah, well, great, great roll, great. Okay. When you shoot everything and he makes all his six up feeling pains and six yeah, up saves, and you're thinking to yourself, what the <laughs> hell? Just don't don't go say people oh you're lucky. Hmm. Go you know okay great hmm. make make a fun joke oh this always happens with my guns they don't shoot properly. Rubber bullets you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, gotta, you gotta be like ah oh, the lads are drunk they're, they're yeah, yeah just make it. Again. Dang it everyone's bringing their time and we're not talking about a 20 minute game here we're talking about three hours four hours even if you're at your club you know setting up me people are investing time to have a good time 
So yeah. yes, I think uh, engaging is important here. Yeah. I, so I, I think it's really important to make a distinction between maybe two types of negative play experiences that I've encountered that I have been involved in. And then, you know, also probably people are, are common with this negative play experiences as a result of, you know, a war scrolls ability or an allegiance trait or something like that, something that is hardwired into the game, but then also a negative play experience as a result of being or encountering um, a poor opponent. And I know we're talking about um, specifically like how this is from a Caradron Overlord's perspective, but I think that also plays into how you come across as an opponent, even when you are a Caradron Overlord's player and just making sure that even if you know your army may or may, you know, may uh, have a higher probability for a negative play experience because of our, the way the army plays or our war scroll abilities, having that in mind and not amplifying that, making that worse or um, through your personality, through how you interact with your opponent. Sure. You may shoot your opponent off the table, but um, you know, having, knowing that that is a possibility and how that other players reacted in the past, having sort of um, a table presence that can help mitigate some of those feel, feel bads. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate to say that maybe a KO player has sort of an extra responsibility to make sure you're not, not trying to hold their hand and babysit them so they have a good game. But you definitely need to make sure, be aware of how your army can come across on the table and you know have that in mind for when you as the person come across. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, this, um, well, there's a couple of things I want to say. First of all, is like you must have all had an experience at some point where you've been playing Warhammer and something has happened that's been bad for you, but it's been good for your opponent, but you actually mm -hmm. felt really good about it happening because there had been such a build up to it or something like it was something like they like really needed like a, a six inch run or something and they built it up and they were like, Oh, I'm going to roll. They're shaking the dice for ages or something. And they build it up like, Oh, you know, like, or something. And then they get it. And then you're actually like, you, it's bad for you that they got it. But, you enjoyed it because it was unlikely and I don't know. You, you, I don't know if that's a good example. This probably... Uh, no, it, it, it definitely is because people do that with a priority role all the time. And a priority role it definitely is a culprit for sometimes being a negative play experience. But when you're like, okay, here it comes. This is it. And then you both are kind of sitting there like, who's going to throw it first? Who's going to throw it first? And then oh, <laughs> you just got double turned. But it was still fun and exciting. Hmm. I once got killed by the Loon Moon. Um, my, uh, I was playing with a, uh, a Archcavalo Xanatos, you know, the named hero for uh, OBR. He's got a two-up save in the army I'm playing, a six-up feeling pain, and the moon comes out of nowhere. On a one, selects him for a target, and it rolls a three for max damage, and I fail every feeling pain. And I was like, man, that really, really sucks. But to die to the moon, like that never happened. That's something like, else. Props, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> props to you, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, I think I think the biggest thing about this lack of agency thing is something that both um, Zinch and Ko kind of do to their opponents. It can be Seraphon, but so Zinch, it's like the best Zinch player I know still has a 20 minute 
um, hero phase because he casted 19 spells, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not fun to sit there and, you know, you're, this is why we don't play card games anymore. Because it's not fun to sit there and let your opponent just go, okay, I'm popping off, I'm popping off, I'm popping off. Um, in KO, it comes from having multiple sources of um, different types of weapon profiles. That's what I find. Mm -hmm. Like, I love playing special weapon thunders, um, but when you do it in real life, it's like, okay, I have this one unit. This is why I don't play 40K, right? I have this one unit that's shooting. It's got five different weapons. It's going to take me, you know, three minutes to do it. And then I have to remember all of them. And so I'm sitting there flipping through them. And remembering it yourself helps a lot. But then you're like, oh, I'm on the ground. I got buffs. You know, I got to roll it again. I, I popped a triumph this time. I have negative yeah. two to hit, you know. Um, so what I find the best thing to do in order to make your opponent feel like they're not getting shot off the board is not to play an army that shoots them off the board. So, <laughs> um, so like in Zon or in like uh, the Iron Sky attack, where it's like I'm shooting with three units, um, it's it's typically not that abusive for some people. So, I would say don't lean too heavily into blowing your opponent up um, and having it take forever. If you're gonna do it, make it fast. If you're not, then don't. Uh, you know, it's just like make sure that the tempo is still there. Know your rules. Um, if the bad feeling doesn't last that long, then then it's good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt uh, interrupt you there because you were saying some good stuff, but you're skipping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, finish these last two things. So the other the other two categories I came up with is it's like. Uh, feeling sort of powerless to prevent something negative happening. So, I mean, because it's not like I think people, nobody likes it when something negative happens to, to their army. Like, if you lose a bunch of models, if you feel like there's nothing you could have done about it, whether that's true or not, the fact that you feel that is that's when it starts getting really frustrating. Like, if you feel like even if you played the game again, you played differently, it still would have happened. I think that is where some uh, negative play experience comes in, like where you get this sense of frustration. And um, uh, so, I mean, I don't. Know, what do you guys think about that as a sort of category? I mean, that's where people start, you know, making the get good arguments, isn't it? Okay, sorry, the second one or the third one? The second one. Okay. Second one. The middle one. Um, I agree. The power, being powerless, that's the worst thing. You, not you just sitting there and, okay, you're doing this spell, and you're doing this, and you're shooting that. But it's like, no matter what I would have done, you're coming here with a one drop, and I'm losing models. Because you can shoot 20, 36 inch, I don't know what. Or or you can place your Umbro spell portal in front of my lines and then just cast out 18 inches from there. So I can't hide. Like there's nothing I could have done, mm. and that's that's just not just frustrating to lose your models, but it's if you know ah uh, if you can learn something from that for next game oh, I need to screen there or I need to mm. place my hero somewhere else. In this case, it's just like it doesn't matter what I do, I'm just losing here. Why why do I yeah. even show up? That's the worst the worst MPE I can think of. Yeah. yeah, it it just it just kind of robs the whole fun of the game. You're like, okay, but why am I even 
playing this right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could um, not be at the table and the, the outcome would be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, and then the next one is sort of related, but it's like a slightly different slant on it. So it's, it's the prevention of you either succeeding or, or getting the fulfillment of your expectations. So, I mean, the, the obvious example of that is, you know, not getting to win, which for some players is, you know, massively important. If you're like a, you know, you talk about the psychographic profiles of players, you have like Timmy's and Johnny's and Spike's, but like for a Spike, not getting to win is huge. Um, for other players, maybe not so much, but for Timmy, like just not getting to charge all game. What is really Timmy? Timmy is a bike. You also oh, right? Okay, so people that so <laughs> if you if you don't know what those psychographic profiles, are, it comes from Magic: The Gathering, I think originally, and they're basically three styles of players that they come up with or they've noticed over the years of like people that play all their right. game, and it kind of apply, applies to other games as well. Um, like Warhammer Weekly talk. I've talked about them a fair mm-hmm. bit. It's so uh, uh, Timmy is someone that you know they they like to smash stuff. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> always to smash stuff, but they 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 want to have the experience in the game. They want to experience excitement and cool stuff happening. They, they're not yep. so bothered about whether they win or lose. They want to have that moment where they charge their more crusher in and do a load of Gargan stuff. Players. Yeah. Or, yeah, or they want to, you know, you'll get KO players as well that just want to, you know, have the feeling of, like, dropping their guys out of the ship and, like, shooting Broad stuff. siding something with a yeah. ironclad. Cinematic. They want to have cool stuff to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a Johnny is a player that likes to you know, spend a lot of time analysing and being creative and trying to, you know, come up with solutions to problems and things and expressing themselves. So that will come out through painting and stuff, but it also comes out with list writing. Um, I, I would imagine that quite a few of us here have, to an extent, a Johnny of some sort, because we like writing lists and, um, you know, coming up with mm-hmm. new and different ways of playing. Um and lastly, Spike is uh, like a, a player that really, you know, really wants to win, um, and he hates to lose. And to him, it's not how we win that matters so much. Uh, we're getting an echo. That he's winning. I think it's yeah, it's Carl. He's being himself. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, for them, it's yeah, winning is really important, and they want to win, and. It's interesting because I think they can actually have a fun experience playing against KO, where a Timmy might not, because when you play against KO and you win, it's often because you just sit on the objectives. Um, and they will like the fact that they figured out, well, if I just sit on the objectives and I win and then I get to win the game, whereas a Timmy will be frustrated that they didn't get to kill a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's if you play orcs you want to go mm-hmm. smash people but if through the whole first three rounds you're not getting in, into any close combat mm-hmm. you're not getting the the expectation or the enjoyment out of your army like when you mm-hmm. painted these you are oh, these are gonna wreck face i'm gonna run them in and they're gonna chop stuff off if i'm just yeah. running away from you <laughs> you're not getting that satisfaction yeah yeah that's yes that's yeah so this is like 
that's what this one is. It's not getting the sat- satisfied with something that you wanted to to happen, happen. in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and that would that would be negative for you. Um, I think uh, I think fire slayers are a good uh, example of something like this. If you charge in your big bad melee unit into a block of buffed up hearth guard, and then you're doing all these attacks and all this rend and all this damage, and all of a sudden they save everything, and then maybe they lose one guy, and you just rolled like a hundred dice and you killed one dude. But yeah, it, it gets worse than that. You don't even get to attack because they attack before you. <laughs> Yeah. So you charge them. You have the expectation. I'm going to run my Gorgrunters into them. I'm going to smash face. Oh, I'm going to activate with this command ability. Your Gorgrunters are dead. Take them off. Yeah. I mean, that's why activation <laughs> wars. I activate just... twice. Yeah. yeah. So it's... Uh, it's... I mean, that, yeah. uh, you, the, the charge in and don't kill anything kind of happens with OBR a lot. It's mm-hmm. it's the, I'm going to charge these Mortec Guard with my elite combat unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing happens. <laughs> well, what was interesting with uh, Vince's mm. survey that they uh, that he did before Warhammer Weekly was activation wars was a, like a big negative experience. That and shooting were like the top. Um, like things like high resilience, high armor saves, and that didn't really come up that much. No, as as an issue that like, people experience. It's so. the activation wars is because it's my turn. I want to fight. Oh, now it's your turn again. It's yeah. the, the 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 first thing. Like it's my turn. I'm playing now, but you're playing instead of me or before me. Yeah. And you take away my unit, so I'm not playing at all with that unit. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, if it's a high armor safe, I get to hit you at least. I get to do stuff. Okay, you saved it, but then that's okay. I need to figure something out. It's a more uh, we're gonna have a battle here. Yeah, and I like. Um, I think uh, you know. I think Chaos Warriors are actually the most well designed unit in the game. Because they don't do much. They, they're they're beautiful models. <laughs> they have high saves. They can reroll them two wounds. They don't hurt you too bad, but they exist to look intimidating, and they're kind of threatening to play against, right? Like, uh, it's the most fair thing um, that's not abusive, and it's like, oh, if I hit these, we're going to be in combat for multiple turns. It'll feel dynamic mm-hmm. in the sense that, oh, it means a big thing when I kill one. Mm-hmm. It's not going to outright kill me because we're having a battle. Whereas most of the time in this game, if it takes you more than one activation to remove a unit from the enemy, then you're not you're doing something wrong, right? Competitively, that's how it feels. On the other hand, now we're just playing chess because <laughs> um, chess with some dice and you only don't remove something, you're, un- you're unlucky, right? Like that wasn't the intent of the game. The game was supposed to be, hey, let's have this battle over these objectives and it's going to be dynamic. Um, but it's just since turned into, hey, Let's just play chess and remove you in a strategic way until I win, which is a bit of a shame that that's how it's gone. But there's still fun to be had there. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't think that we can really expect not to feel powerless at some point mm-hmm. in this game anymore. Uh, because like the things I feel that make me feel most powerless is like, oh hey, I don't have a single dispel. I'll just sit here and wait for you to do your thing. Or hey, mortal wounds suck you know yeah, <laughs> um, yeah well, she's a lariel over here without her funeral pains 16 <laughs> model and just dies like it, it's um i had i introduced some friends to the game recently and they were really surprised to find out that not every model has a funeral pain 
because I started off with Nighthaunt, Stormcast, and OBR. And then I played them with Sylvanas. Like, wait, you don't have a Caleb thing? Like, no, most people don't. <laughs> and it's like, maybe everyone should just so they have a chance of living. Like, I don't know. No. Well, it's uh, like with the game started, more wounds were quite rare. Um, mm. And it's like there's been, like, people talk about, uh, like, oh, the term has completely gone from my head now. Like, power creep, that's it. And mm -hmm. there has been power creep, the, but I think it's been asymmetrical in a lot of ways. Like a lot of stuff has just got more offensively, more like more powerful. There's one or two armies where they've got, you know, more defensively powerful compared to others. But there's it's become more and more a game of haves and have-nots. Um, it's definitely become a game of. Not just I'm gonna kill some models, but I I need to bring things that can remove entire units mm -hmm. in one turn. Do you think part of the problem is because of Battleshock community? Uh, that's definitely one part because mm -hmm. Battleshock in the beginning, I wasn't around in the beginning, but I heard was important, mm -hmm. and now it's just I don't. It's even a non-issue. Yeah. If if Arcanas have bravery six or they have bravery three, I wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. Because there's something well, anything charges them, they're probably gonna they either it, explode they're... or they're or they're immune. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> um yeah. so yeah, maybe but it's it's something uh Rob Symes said maybe already over a year ago that designing lists today is more okay, I need to bring one or two units that can take out one or two of your units each. It's not just I'm gonna control mode. I'm gonna have fast units, uh, drop them here, get objectives. But it's I need to bring at least one or two bruiser units that can take away your mm -hmm. your your key piece or your power projecting unit. Mm -hmm. And so we're turning into something as as Kyle mentioned previously. It's I take your model, you take mine. It's like I take your unit. You take my unit, it's more of a chess situation. Yeah. Uh, the honest game we calls it trading. Yes. Um, you trade yes. units. Um, whereas I think the game was probably originally designed to like have that trade take two to three turns. But now it happens in you it, know, one combat. It's supposed or... to be a model trade instead of a unit trade. Yes. Maybe. Hmm. Perhaps. Because then if it's a model trade, then Battleshock is important because it's I have 10 models, you have 13 on the objective. Okay, I get the point. Whereas mm -hmm. now it's I have models or you do, like it doesn't matter if you have twenty or five models. If I'm done with my turn, you shouldn't have any models, no models in the unit. So I it, I just have one gunhorner on the objective mm -hmm. and I score. Yeah. So but, okay, let's <laughs> get back to <laughs> yeah. So MP. before we move on, I feel like the problem with the conversation about MP normally is this gets ignored completely. And then these last two mm. things gets pushed into this idea of game balance and you like, well, you know, you could have beaten it if you done X, Y, or Z. And it doesn't matter about whether you felt frustrated. What the actual issue is, is that you felt frustrated either because you felt like you can prevent something or because you didn't get to do the thing you wanted to, not because you actually cared about whether you won or lost. Um, and maybe for if you're a spike, you care about whether you, you won or lost, or um, and then 
But if you're a Johnny or a Timmy, which in theory is maybe two thirds of people, um, mm-hmm. then you actually care more about like, well, a Johnny would care about the idea. Well, I would like to think of a solution to this problem, but actually I've thought about it and there isn't a solution. Like there was nothing differently I could have done there. Um, mm-hmm. And a Timmy would be like, well, no, I just wanted to charge something. And I never got to do that. All I wanted to do was just kill one of your units. Just one of your units. Yeah. Yeah, they really care if they lost as long as they had their fun moment. But that's something that I find myself often when, you know, okay, round four, I'm not going to win this game. No, I just want to kill that stupid unit over there. It's Mm. not the smartest thing to do. I don't care. I lost the game anyway. I'm just going to go and kill that one unit to get like little triumph, that little yeah. satisfaction. Uh, that's something I, I find myself to do yeah. often, yeah. Okay. Um, I find that um, a lot of games aren't really over till it's over. Like, mm-hmm. I once blew this Skaven player off the field, right? Like, um, by the end of turn three, he had 200 models, 200 points of models, mm-hmm. and I had... Um, 1980 still i think right so i hadn't lost anything um and i still managed to lose the game because he made some hail mary plays right at the end like he skitter leaped over um lightning mm-hmm. warp lightning blasted my navigator who was on the objective and then like made a charge that got him there and then he just outscored me right like there's i think people sometimes give up too early even when it's like, oh, you know what? I lost. Um, I lost my. I have a quarter of my army left. The game is balanced in that you can still win with a quarter of the ar- quarter of your army if you play correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, a Timmy doesn't care about winning. They care about using the models that they brought to go smash. It's like, well. I have like five orcs left. Five orcs can win the game against KO because five orcs are one more model than, you know, <laughs> four more models in a boat. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting yeah. you say that because I found that also recently. Um, I often have games that come down to the last round and we each have three models left. And I'm not talking an ironclad and a gunner, I'm talking like the chemist on foot. Maybe mm-hmm. two engine riggers and somewhere there's a single arc not still jumping mm-hmm. around. And those games are super interesting and can go both ways. Oh, I need to run that arc not six inches over there, and then I need to make that charge and kill that. I need to roll a six somewhere. And I was surprised that how often that happens, which speaks mm-hmm. for some sort of balance. I don't know if it's intended, <laughs> if yeah. it's in the nature of the, the whole game system or how the rules work. But surprisingly, and I, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So I had most of my games go to turn five. For that we reason. often complain about mm-hmm. balancing, but I think we should acknowledge that if that is planned, that's super good balancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if should... it is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or if it just it, happens. In you know. theory, it's a five-turn game, and what's the point of bringing 2,000 points of models if you both have 1,900 points left at the end of the game? Or, like, you, in theory, they, they should die, mm-hmm. and but it should be the case that, yeah, you don't want both of you to have zero models left at the end of round three, or one of you to have zero and one of you to have one. Like, mm-hmm. it, So you should have like, one or two models left at the end, at the end of the game, probably. Um 
The the one last thing is I didn't do a slide for this. I really should have done. Um, is we talked about. We'll forgive like, you this time, Lee. Yes, I, sorry. <laughs> we talked about like let's do Timmy, Spike, and Johnny. Imagine they're on each corner. We talk about them as if they're like individual things, but and you you're going to be one or the other, but you're probably not most of the time. And if you imagine like the perfectly balanced player would be here, but actually like a Timmy, he could be like here. Like he's part team, he passed by there. Johnny could be like here, or Johnny could be like people aren't always just going to be one thing or the other. Um, you'll get a lot of most people will be hybrids in some way. Um, so it's a spectrum, yeah. Um, so it's part of it, I think, is working out you know what sort of player you are and what you want to get out of a game, and your opponents need to do that as well. You need to do some soul searching. Um, but let's move on to yes. making things a bit KO specific. So mm. the first, oh, hi Duke. You didn't say it before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hi Duke. Thanks for joining us, Duke. Uh, so um, how? Do, so you know, the first example we had about having a lack of agency or engagement in things for prolonged periods of time is like, how does KO create that? So I've got some examples on, on screen, but I, I wonder what you, you guys think. Well, that's the first thing you think of. Spell of the bottle just comes automatically. They cannot unbind it. They're yeah. powerless. Yeah. The fact There's that we no don't roll dice in our hero phase. We just, I am now going to teleport my boat here. I am now going to deploy a warp lighting vortex here. Mm-hmm. No, there's no know? dice. There's no chance. It's just, mm-hmm. I do, I do. So we have an entire yeah. hero phase where all we do is we tell our opponent things or we show them what we nah, do. Ah, that's not true. I rolled dice to repair boats. Yes, but you, <laughs> you're, 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 it's still only you doing it. Um, like yeah, 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 yeah. There's it's no just, interaction. There. Because we don't have... The only interaction you have in hero phases is magic. Yes. Usually. We don't have any wizards. We have... Mm. We don't even have priests. Priests, but priests will be the same. I, I just pray, but there's nothing you can do about it. Okay. So, um, so I, have, I have a question. So you, you guys are saying, you know, using spell in a bottle as an example where we tell our opponent what's going to happen. We are putting this this thing here, whatever whatever spell that you tuck into a bottle. What, <laughs> and I understand that there's no opportunity for the, um, the opposing player to try to interact with that or dispel that or, or what have you, but... Does that is that any different from a Zinch player who just casts um, you know whatever spell or in the spell they want and they're like, well, I rolled a one and a six, so my casting roll is a thirteen. Go ahead and try to dispel yeah. it, and then you just can't. Or any no. any other magic heavy faction like Gits who can add three, four, five to their casting value, and you literally have sometimes, literally, sometimes figuratively, no chance to dispel that. Is that really that big of a difference, I'd though? I'd say Especially it's not a difference, difference, but it doesn't make it right. It's not different, but it's just spell on exactly a 10, the same. Spell on a 10. Hmm. There's, 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 a, there's a minor no, difference. Not a good da- game design. Yeah, so the, my answer to that is, is there's a minor difference, but both of them are negative play experiences. Yeah. Or, or and Maybe the problem this is, just is game. <laughs> it feels bad. Game. Yeah. Well, the the problem is is with negative play experiences. I think it's cumulative. Like you, like one thing is not necessarily going to make you go, "Oh, I hated that game," because you had 
like because your opponent had a thing you couldn't had no chance to stop. But if it was a series, like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, eventually there'll be a straw that breaks the camel's back, and you'll just get fed up. So, yeah. So I mean, hero faces generally are that for most players anyway. Like yeah. there is generally no agency in there is if you've got two magic armies and they're equally balanced. Um, but often actually nowadays in the game they're not like you're very good at magic or terrible at magic. Either you're good or you're not bringing any magic. Mm. At least in competitive game. Let's remember this is NPE in competitive tournament is a whole different story than mm -hmm. NPE at your local game night. Yeah, I think so yeah. In in a, in a tournament, you're you you kind of justified. You can do whatever you want in a tournament. You can do what no, you can do what the rules mm. allow, yeah. Kron, Although, Not whatever I, you want. <laughs> so if you're playing Kron, watch out. <laughs> Look, no one knows my microwave dice yet. So yeah. well, something has just occurred to me though is we talked about engagement, um, and my first tournament with Ko with the new book was. The uh, the week after it came out, and I took I borrowed my mates Warp Lightning Vortex because um, I you know hadn't had time to I still haven't got one painting one but <laughs> whatever <laughs> I've had to, I can't use the time excuse anymore but um, I took party poppers with me and every time I smashed that bottle I like let off a party popper um, and I didn't know if my opponents they might have thought I was weird as hell but. <laughs> I enjoyed it, and it was certainly made it more interesting at the very least. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, there's so if you know that things are un, like unengaging for your opponent, make it more engaging. And it doesn't mean you have to, to take party poppers for everything. Like, don't let up a party popper for every gun you shoot in your army, but because you know that'd be very bad for the environment, and you'll be doing it all day. You'll have to like sweep up a lot of mess, but. Um, there's yeah it's i don't know there's things you can do to make things more engaging and when you're when you're doing a phase like your hero phase where you're literally just telling your opponent things you don't go okay now i'm going to do this command ability which uh, which is on a roll of two oh no i've rolled a two and now i'm going to do my spell in a bottle then you you know and then you spend five hours trying to place those three things exactly seven inches apart you could say yeah, but if you're, oh, playing like that, you're not finishing any game no. but it's like <laughs> you know you can just make it a bit more interesting just with your delivery um that's kind of what i was talking about earlier when showmanship you Yes. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Get the jazz hands going. When everybody has every every player that plays this game has an unspoken obligation to make it a positive playing experience as much as you can for your opponent. When mm -hmm. we sometimes you kick people's teeth in. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're getting your teeth kicked in. It, it's it's going to happen to everybody, but the way that you deliver it like you said Lee can can really change that sometimes and you don't want to be like over you if you sh shoot your opponent off the table you don't want to be over apologetic oh i'm so sorry oh i'm so sorry because i mean honestly as a 40k orc player i am very much used to removing models off the table and part of that is part of the fun for me like you know mm -hmm. so if if you sometimes you just have to as an opponent if you're getting destroyed you just kind of have to laugh it off but if you're doing the destroying, don't apologize for your success because that takes away some people's fun. Mm -hmm. 
There's yeah. also an issue with you if if you're apologising, it doesn't seem honest. Like it seems disingenuous, and it's just going to put someone's back up as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the other thing is, things. yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, is I've noticed. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but I heard someone say once that uh, basically a designer or someone at Games Workshop once said that. Uh, the people that play match play are playing on easy mode and you, we should all be playing narrative play is the best way to play and I don't know if that's true that someone said that or not but I think there is an element to it that if you create a little bit of a story about what is going on in the game um, and it's not like you have to write you know, a whole backstory for your army necessarily but you know you know, if you say, also, oh, gonna... army backstory show is coming. So, is it... <laughs> is it... okay, I haven't written anything, but um, <laughs> yeah, if you do make things more interesting by adding a little bit of a narrative to it, I think it probably will help make all games more fun. I think, and maybe there is an element of actually, yeah, maybe just playing purely competitive match play not caring about any narrative is playing on easy mode and it's not the most fun way to play again we're, we are talking about your hobby night here yes at the club so already unless you're prepping for a tournament then i'm bringing my super destroyer list if you agreed to do that okay cool but then yeah, even then like Tell your um, opponent that you're bringing your Super Destroyer list. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, that should be the first thing when you, especially when you match up with someone you don't know. What kind of game do you want to play? You want to play competitive list? Gun holder passing. Uh, uh, are you playing? I'm just going to try out a new list. So I might take a bit longer to do certain things or figure something out. I might need to go back to another phase because I, I, I missed something. Um, or are you just, you know, I want to play my dwarves against your elves and bash your heads in. Mm. Um, what, what you said is the narrative thing is what I, I often do is when we start, the game we set up and said, okay, but why why are we here? Why are these two armies here? Let's think about something. Like, ah, oh, I'm gonna because you you uh, offended my grand grand ancestor uh, on that one night, uh, and you spilled his beer, and now this entire army has gathered to settle this grudge and wipe you off the earth. Something like that, you know, dwarf stuff. I figured we were talking more about sort of casual game nights at the local club or a pickup game with an opponent you're not used to playing. Uh, because at a tournament, uh, I mean, everybody there has an, when you pay money to play an event, you have the expectation that other people are there to, to, to go with the strongest list they can and, and prove their mettle. But, you know, when you're going to a local tournament or I mean a local club game, that's the type of negative play experience. If somebody shows up for fun because they get, you know, a hall pass from the wife or, you know, they just um, they, they get out with their with their friends and they just want to roll some dice or they had a hard week at work. But then, you know, you're you're you bring, you know, your tournament prep list and you blow them off the table, you know, or you don't let them play with their toys that they were looking forward to all week. That's the type of experience we're trying to avoid here. Right. So yeah, it, yeah the, the yeah. conversation is mostly about club nights or playing with your mates in the garage or whatever. 
Um, I think there are probably some lessons that can of noise. It's gone. Yeah, there's some probably some lessons that uh, we can maybe all learn as players that you can, you know, put to use in tournaments. So, like, I played against someone once and he had, well, he had a death army, he had some direwolves, and there was something about one of his units of direwolves that either our model was broken or it was glued wrong or something. And I think actually it might have been that he always positioned it so it had his ass facing forwards. And then um and then when it was always like i think i played him more than once and he would always leave that unit to last to die like if there's one unit model left in the unit it'd be that one and it was i don't know it, we didn't have any massive narrative to it it wasn't like he spent hours thinking about it it's just like he'd made the most of like something to do with the model and it just made it fun and it just made the whole experience just a bit more unique and interesting and enjoyable than you know just a stock unit of direwolves moving forwards and that's it and i mean i'd say if, if you have boats you have an obligation to turn those turrets mm -hmm. like you turn you, you turn that cannon to face the enemy yeah and something like that might be a good way of actually making your opponent be more engaged mm. you say to them like what's the most important guy in your unit and then they go, oh, yeah, this one, go around pointing the turret at him then. Um, like, you might not remove the model, but I'm aiming for him. I don't know. I mean, yeah. some of these things might make the game take a little bit longer, but if it actually... No, that's good. I like that. Bit, I appreciate that. Yeah. So if it involves players more, then that's probably better. Because, um, yeah, we haven't... We've, like, long shooting phases, we know they're an issue. Carl, you talked about it earlier with, like... Thunder of special weapons. Like, mm -hmm. if you've got engine riggers or sky ones with special weapons, you could have a unit of three models, but you've got three different shooting profiles to roll. Um, and that just takes time. So, I don't know. I mean, so, know, know your profiles by heart. Yes. Yeah, because if you're looking them yeah. up, that Because if you need to recheck each single, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, and roll things that you can roll together. Like, if funders are deployed, you can roll the deck sweepers and the uh, ether rifles at the same time. They're the same profile. Just say, I'm going to take these 16 and I'm going to take these 20, and I'm just going to roll them all together. Yeah. The other thing I've seen some people do is if they have like one thing in a unit, like I say here, the leader of the unit gets to hit on a three instead of a four is they just use a different colored dice, so they roll them all together. And then you know what the different colored yeah. dice is there. Yeah, that and works in some cases. Yeah, uh, it doesn't uh, work. But... The worst experience of resolving a an action, be it shooting or combat, is the old uh, Plague Monks. Before they changed, they had three different weapons. That some did something on a six to hit, some did something on a six to wound, and it was different things. One had more rend, one had more damage. I don't know. They ended up with six different piles of, of die. That now I need to roll these ones, and now these hit on seven, and I need to roll. It took 15 minutes to resolve the attacks of 40 plague monks. That was just super bad game design. There's nothing you can do. It's just, just stupid. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, with with cannons, yeah. For example, your your ironclad. Take your uh, shrapnel shot 
and the carbines roll them together if everything's within 12 and you're shooting the same thing. It's the same profile, just 14 die instead of six and eight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because it's. I think when you don't have things for your opponent to do and for them to feel engaged with, the longer those things take is going to be worse. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then the other thing we've, I've, I've got listed here is like the movement phase is a bit unengaging because we can just teleport wherever we want. <laughs> Are we? So... Um, I don't. I don't agree with that. I mean, yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. Yeah. First I mean, of all, it, nowhere can... does it say teleport. Yes, but you called it yesterday in our chat, Max. So yes, because it's for people to understand. Yes, that have um, not the high the high knowledge of Ko. Um, what? How, okay, let me let me put it this way. When I move normal foot units, I pick up a model. Mm-hmm. I put it down. Yeah. How is that different from me picking up my gun holder, walking around the table, putting it down? Yeah. It's just a very far flying move. Mm-hmm. So, so movement phase is unengaging. I know where you're coming from. You're saying this is, it doesn't make sense that they're leaving the battle and they're showing up over here and they should be flying and shooting and not just reappearing anywhere. Yeah. I Look, think actually maybe that's just in your head. Imagine yeah. that you're just the movement, zooming over movement there. Phase has always been, the movement phase has always been the most unengaging for your opponent. It's when you go to the bathroom mm-hmm. as the opponent anyway, because there's almost never any interaction with the game in your opponent's mm-hmm. movement phase. I roll, I roll, I'm going to move this unit. I roll a run roll and I move my models. I'm going to this mm-hmm. one. And um, I think maybe the movement phase the way to phrase it would be not necessarily unengaging, but it's, it's, it's the most abstract for a, a KO opponent to visualize. Wow. Mm-hmm. You have five ships and they can go anywhere on the board. Okay. I understand that when you're setting up and having the pregame discussion, but then when you put them on the board and now it's the KO's players turn and the five ships that were in the corner are now here, 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 here. And you just had no clue that that, you know, you had a clue that it could happen, but you couldn't actually visualize it. That's definitely a feel bad moment. But I think that really stems from the KO player, not taking the responsibility of maybe reading the rule prop. And we're talking at a a club game or a casual game or a pickup game, not at a tournament where you expect people to understand the nuances, but where you haven't, the KO player hasn't explained it right. I can't come within nine inches of any of your units, one inch of an objective or one inch of a terrain piece. And that last part is the most important thing because if your opponent understands, it's not just the nine inch bubble around your units, but it's also around terrain features. If they use terrain to their advantage, almost like units in their army to zone out where these boats can go, I think people would really have... Um, a lot better time um, when they play Caradron Overlords casually. And I think that's a little bit of maybe KO players not explaining everything to um, a high degree of certainty, but also a sort of a COVID effect where people aren't able to gather, gather as regularly or as often at club games as they could. And the only time that people do get to play is at tournaments and they haven't played KO at all. So, And they use tournaments as their casual games because – they can't play any other way. So I, I would say it's not necessarily unengaging, but it's abstract. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and this is this is one of the points where I push back on people in the past when they said KO is uninteractive. Because in theory, with the way our movement works, it can be more interactive because your hero, like they got if your opponent's got a hero sitting in the back corner of the table, that stops our ships landing there and nine inches around. But if you've got four inch move dwarfs on the opposite side of the table, it doesn't affect them at all. It doesn't so it interacts more with us because we've got more choices where we can go. But the trouble is, is it doesn't interact when it happened, like when the opponent does it, it's like a, a time delay. Like it doesn't happen at the time. And then it can also be guilty of this thing with not getting the fulfilled expectations where I try, like your opponent intentionally zones out a load of space and then you go the opposite side of the table anyway. And they're like, oh, so I zoned out all that space for no reason. Um, not expecting a thing. But I, I don't know. Movement phase is an awkward one for all armies it's um, it's a disappointment of these core expectation you have you're setting up your line of battle mm-hmm. across the valley is the enemy we're moving down and now you're behind me that yeah. that, that, that doesn't <laughs> make sense in my storyline no i know you can you told me you can teleport you can fly and so on but it's the second I'm the game started, I forgot, and I'm expecting everything to come from in front of me, mm-hmm. from ahead of me. And I'm moving forward my army, and they're marching, and they're running over there, and they're zoning over there because I want to flank you with my horses. And and we're not playing by those rules. We're just going anywhere. And this can be, you told them, they understand, oh, yeah, you can be everywhere. But it's not in their line of thinking when they're planning their moves ahead often. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe that's the that's the thing where KO is different. So I'm not trying to take up too much too much of the conversation here, but I would I would actually wager that that the shooting phase for not just Caradron Overlords but any ranged army is going to be the most unengaging, just simply by the nature of how shooting interacts with the core mechanics of the game. Um, so as opposed to I charge your enemy unit your your unit and i pile in and then i swing and then you swing and then we take saves and then we battle shock and it's sort of like this like yeah the person who uh, um whose turn it is gets to choose the first activation but there's this back and forth there's this sort of um you know both players are forced to interact with each other whereas mm-hmm. when you sh- when i move my units up or fly my units over and then i just say cool I'm shooting now and I shoot you and I shoot over your screen that you just placed. And then here's my hit, my wound, go ahead, make your save. And then you remove, there's nothing. It's just very one-sided. And I don't think rolling saves is enough to really um, have that same level of interaction that um, melee um, does. So, you know, I think, I think shooting phase for not just Caradron, but any ranged army, um, which could extend to like a ranged armies in the hero phase, like Zinch, or um, any other magic heavy army is unengaged. So um, there's a, a couple of options. So Matt, you mentioned earlier about like movement for your opponent's movement phase is quite often when you go like for a bathroom break or something. I I think in in some ways you can't do that against KO. 
because they just end up all over the place and it's like you come back and like, what the hell happened like you because it's not like like against another army that moves normally it's like yeah well i come back and i say well they obviously shuffled forwards a bit they retreated whereas against KR it's like what the hell happened i leave for five minutes and now there's an ironclad three inches away from me and three thunders on the other side of the board what happened yeah how did yeah how did this happen and then the other thing is is like in later turns you're taking it a situation where like your ship might be in combat and you're like okay well now i'm not in combat anymore i'll well, see you later you, <laughs> you go from a situation where you were interacting and then you're like no i don't want to interact anymore um oh so there's a, a counter argument where ko are not corporate movement np mm -hmm. have you ever played against uh, 120 grots. Um, you know how I long their movement grots. takes? When there are grots on the table, I don't count them. So I played against like, grots. Whether there's been 120, I don't know. Like, if they charge or pile in, so they're not using their movement um, bases, it takes ages. So KO moving three boats, that takes 20 seconds. It does physically. But then there's ten minutes of decision making sometimes beforehand and measuring to make oh, sure. Yeah. Or like, if I go over there, will I be able to get all my riggers around it and stuff? And because you can move everywhere, you have so much more decision making to make um, that I think if you're inexperienced against a particular army or just experienced playing your character and overlords, or that you can that can that turn can take ages. <laughs> Okay, but then it's a, a you problem, mm. not a KO <laughs> yeah. problem. Yes, but it's a, a you problem you only have with KO that you don't have if you're playing an, a, a, an army that moves normally. Because you don't, when you're playing a normal army, you go, right, I can move mm. forwards, I can move side, I can move to the Deep right. Striking, left, teleporting, that's quite common nowadays. Yeah. It so. is, but not all armies have it. And you might have it, once you've deep struck, you're down. So then your next movement phase it's not an issue. It's like, well, I can move yeah. towards the enemy, I can move away, um, rather than like I've got um, infinite different possibilities on the table of where I could go. Yeah. So, Still, so, I think movement is the m smallest of the issues. Yeah. Um, Maybe the next one is more... Yeah. You know. and, well, I think... Yeah, so the next one is the fact that you, you might not even charge, which means then like we can combat phase in the turn at all. We are next to a skyboard. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, hang, like hang on, hang on. Do you want to say airplane? when you when you think of sorry, I, I do live next to an airport, but um, so the thing about this first and this last one is sometimes my turns are really fast. You know, it's like okay, um, no, my hero phase, I'm going to gain a CP, pass it, uh, mm -hmm. and then you know you shoot, and if you do your shooting right, it shouldn't take that long. Like okay, my shooting's done now. Uh, go ahead and your turn because you don't. Okay, I don't. I don't suffer no, any battle shock. You're, you're charged. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hero phase is usually pretty small. Yeah, there's, it's just moving a couple models and like yeah, the, the majority of like it's like eighty percent of your turn if it's a pie chart is that shooting phase and mm. everything else takes up this twenty percent slot. Mm. I never thought Caradron Overlord negative play experiences revolved around sort of timing or how long things took. I, I always, and I tried to get an answer to this question by asking a few of my um, my clubmates uh, 
why what is it about shooting that people don't like you hear you hear this uh, internet fear of the shooting meta is here and the shooting meta is dominating and this is still a melee game but for some reason the shooting phase just strikes fear in the heart of of uh, warhammer players everywhere and i i couldn't really find an answer i always thought it was balanced out by the fact that technically i only have one activation per turn as a shooting player whereas a, a melee army will have two activations per turn obviously timing will be different and when they fight or, and how many models they have to fight with is up for you know up to see up for the dice to decide but you know as a shooting player i have one activation per turn and that's on my turn and then after that you know i have nothing so um it's something it's it's, it's shooting um and how that interacts with the core mechanics of the game or what caused the negative play experience and and not so much the uh, uh and not so much how long something takes i i think yeah i'd agree i'd agree uh it's not the duration of like you're not doing anything while i shoot but it's the you're taking stuff away without getting me to hit me back as you would do in combat, or no matter how you deployed, I'm taking away your toys. You couldn't I mean, save you your heroes. Kill, you couldn't right? wrap your heroes because I'm 24 inches shooting, sniping your your heroes. Yeah, I mean, I found the majority of my opponent's negative play experience when when I can see my opponent kind of switch off has to do with the core mechanics of the game, and that's when you get a double turn. Mm -hmm. People are usually okay with, okay, so I'm going to take one shooting phase from the KO, but then I'm going to counterattack and destroy them all in melee because they can't melee as well as I can. But then when the KO, when, when I as a KO player get a double turn, I'm like, okay, so you know that we're just going to do that all over again. And then they just remove so much of their mm -hmm. army, and they just kind of, you can just see them switch off and be like, okay. So I'm really hoping AOS 3 removes that. But in the yeah. meantime, if you're playing in a casual in a casual environment in, in a club, it might be a, it might be a good idea, especially if, if you can see like, okay, I we're gonna roll double turn, I get double turn. If I take this, I can see I'm gonna remove your army. Like if I if I I double turn now, I've won. So then you go, okay, so we know that that's going to happen. What if I just choose to not take the double turn and we play this out as a, what would have happened if I didn't take the double turn? <laughs> makes for a longer game, <laughs> makes for more back and forth engaging game. Um, I just wanted to call out this comment from the chat from Evelina. She says that when she does her movement, she role plays her models. Um, I, I was going to comment on that earlier. Like, I really want to know what that means yes yeah, like, oh, the lads are getting out of the boat and they're going and they're they're dropping down and you're going go, 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 go. over here and, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. i like the idea to <laughs> make a tightness boot before we go or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah um let okay. not to dwell too long on this topic but i think ko kind of turns i found my KO, that's one reason why I play KO at tournaments is because I'm much quicker in playing. I could play Fire Slayers, they're equally strong, I believe, but it just takes much longer to do stuff. Mm -hmm. KO is just, I have less models. Half of them are in the boats, they're not even on the table. So I'm moving these four things. I'm shooting. Okay, that's it. I can guarantee that I'm going to play five rounds 
from my side, from my time consumption. Now it's just up to you. Yeah. Um, is it not? I don't think it's the necessary also like the, the sheer volume of time. It's the fact that your opponent just does. If you don't charge and there's no combat, your opponent just for your whole, whole turn, your opponent basically does nothing other than save them. Um, is, is the problem. Whereas if you're in. Um, if you're playing a combat army, then uh, the, again, the hero phase, they might not do anything, fair enough. The shooting phase, you won't have, or you might have to. Uh, be an interesting one, because they're like, oh, well, you can't move them unless you retreat, because we're in combat. Which you won't get against KO, because we're like, no, we'll just fly high, be fine. And then uh, they get to do some stuff in the combat phase in your turn, uh, potentially. It's, uh, it's interesting that you say that, because... Doing a quick turn, shooting, not charging, no combat, they just remove models. In a competitive environment, that is considered the perfect turn for KO. Mm -hmm. Like I just went in, you go you just roll save rolls, and that's it. And you didn't hurt me back. That is considered the, the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in, 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 in a normal game or a friendly game, let's call it a friendly game, that is a weird saying this is the start of MPE. Mm -hmm. So I, you don't need to it, raise uh, your hand. Great, well, I, just, I don't like to interrupt people. I just want people to know that I I, I want to want to say something. Um, there's a great comment in the chat from uh, uh, Stephen Musk, I think, and uh, it was he said that essentially that the that a double turn for Karajan Overlords means death for the opposing player, and a double turn against KO means death to there it is. Thank you so much, Lee. Um, so in my quest to find where the negative play experiences are coming from, is it less about having to do with just how shooting interacts with the core mechanics of, you know, the nature of, a, of models and dice games? And is it more to do with the fact how the shooting interacts with strictly the double turn? So if this game magically overnight in third edition went to um, there's no double turn, it's 40k, you go, I go style. And, um, you know, there and, and drops has nothing to do with uh, who decides to go first. It's a dice roll. So if it's a dice roll to decide who goes first and there's no more double turn, does that reduce the number of negative play experiences that KO would generate? So I want to stress think that 100% I mean, of the reason for why 40k is worse than AOS is the fact that if you lose a turn, like if something goes bad, there's no redeeming it, right? Like um, uh, the thing about AOS is that you can alpha strike your opponent turn one. You can't really do that in 40k because you can't deep strike until turn two. So at least they get a turn, right? Um, in AOS, if they didn't have a double turn, you could blow up your opponent the first turn 100% of the time and never have a chance of losing. Because your opponent will only ever operate with half an army. Now, if you we have the double turn mechanics, so that if you lose half your army, you can still win the game because you can blow up the other half, the other opponent's army with a half an army if you activate twice with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's such an important part of the game currently that I can't uh, really see taking it out without I, having to remove um, a lot of styles of playing. I think the problem is it's it's armies that can teleport and shoot 
interacting with the double game, the double turn. Because an army that can teleport and shoot starts itself all the way at the back of the board where it cannot be touched. Your opponent has one turn where they do whatever. And then you go, okay, and now I hear my two turns of me shooting you to death. Mm -hmm. KO do it, Zench do it, Seraphon do it. That's why they're the three big boogeymen of the game right now. Yeah, but then you can double turn them back and then... But, you know. if, but, uh, but by the time you double turn them back, you don't have an army. Yeah. But there's, there's also an inherent advantage for the person not getting the double turn because the person who went first last turn wins ties. So, you know, if you're relying on the double turn to win your game, you're going to lose the game more often than not. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, often people are relying on the double turn to win, but they are. It's just that if they do get it, then it's a foregone conclusion, isn't it? Um, yes. You basically have a, a 50 50, I'm going to win this game, and 50 50, I'm going to play this game. Yeah, as opposed to 50 50, I'm going to lose. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I really don't. I, and again, we're talking about casual games and club nights and stuff, but. I, I think part of, of making that leap from casual, you know, club games to good player, competitive player who's do, placing well in tournaments, I think it's really having that sort of mental toughness to um, and, and a positive mental attitude to be able to withstand some of these, um, these setbacks. If you in your mind have already said, well, that's it, I lost, I can't do anything, well, then you've already lost the game, and your opponent may not have even dealt that killing blow yet. It, 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 you know, and I think KO are really good at dealing that moral, mental blow to people where they're like, well, that's it. They blew up my army, or they blew up my support hero, and that's it. I can't do anything. The game's over. And you may not say that, but if, it's, if you're thinking that, then the game is, is, is over. And uh, so. Yeah. It's just occurred to me that, you know, we, we have the Battleshock phase and then I don't play 40k, but I believe it's called the, the uh, morale check in 40k, is it? Yeah, so I think actually in, quite often when people are playing against KO is the player actually fails the morale check at the end <laughs> of like the double turn. It's like they, they, they fail the morale check rather than the models. Um, but uh, I mean... We need to move on a little bit from that, <laughs> uh, from that, from where we were, because um, luckily we've actually covered some of this stuff, because a lot of these things are linked, like things. So before we're talking about things that um, you know uh, aren't engaging, and you know create long periods of time where your opponent does nothing. Now, if we move on to things that you know your opponent feels that they have no way of stopping. Like that, that they're going to cause negative outcomes for your opponent. They've got no, and they feel like they're if it's because they're powerless to stop it. You got things like spending a bottle, which I mean, we we, we discussed. Mm -hmm. We yeah, they, they've got no, nothing they can do about that because they can't unbind it. They can dispel it when it gets to their turn potentially. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, part of the reason why people take warp lightning vortex is it's a high roll required. Um, shooting yeah. is harder to screen out than melee. So you can screen shooting, which is an important thing, mm -hmm. I think, for players to realize is you can screen shooting. Um, and, I'm sorry. And, yeah, it's not as easy to screen out as 
um, as melee, and depending on the range of weapons and stuff. But if if you can green out half the weapons rather than all of them, I think it makes a big difference. But it's it's certainly more difficult. Yeah. Um, what people forget to realize is the easiest terror unit, shooting terror unit to screen out are salamanders. Why? Because they have a 12-inch reach shooting. Mm -hmm. So you, your screen only needs to be what, two and a half inches in front of your valuable unit because with the base size, that's more than, than a nine inches away. That's 12 inches. Mm -hmm. What people forget about KO is that the guns that do most damage are also uh, 12 inches. Are 12 inches. That's the ironclads um, carbines. Okay, in Zilfin it can move twice. Okay, then that's that's bad. Uh, but then still, you only need to be you still need to be three inches away from the screen. So that's what nine, nine inches, inches away beyond. from your screen. It's yep. it's mm -hmm. possible uh, on most. But well, it's definitely I know it's definitely, um, definitely possible because you used to have to do it against a terrorized. Well, you can't yeah. probably still do, but people aren't paying there at the moment. So yeah. Well, Terrorgeist has the other problem that they can't, like when they charge, you can't fit that massive base. <laughs> um, or like the the um, Crusher. Mm -hmm. Then we have, uh, okay, Sky Ones, they have nine inch pistols, uh, no problem there. Uh, we have most of the shots from engine rigs will be the 12 inch pistols. Yes, we have 24 inch guns in engine rigs or the, the, the ships. And yes, they can move and shoot, so 36 or even more. Those are not most of your shots. And th those are not the shots that will damage most things. Mm -hmm. Those shots combined might take out one hero. OK. One hero. Yeah. So it's not that uh, oppressive, the shooting, I'd say. Uh, and it's not that hard to screen out. It's no. harder to screen out the 18-inch flamers or the, well, you can't screen out the 36 somewhat uh, sentinels or whatever. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is particularly with like Zilfin players, if they're all, if you're, if you're low drop, you will make your opponent go first. Mm -hmm. Or you can push your screens forwards then, and then that protects your heroes more because by the time you then. As soon as long as you don't push them forwards enough that you they can get in between the screen and the the thing they're protecting, then but then they're they're they need to be like twenty inches apart because you need to be nine inches from both plus fit the boat or whatever mm -hmm. it is. That's you yeah. can you can easily be twenty inches apart your screen push it out and have something and then nine inches behind you is also safe so that you're already reaching what thirty inches into the board with your front row. Mm -hmm. That's like almost <laughs> their deployment. So it's not as difficult if you think about mm. it, if you have the units for it, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, you push forwards and, you know, you, you make your push even more weapons out of range. So, yeah, I hate playing against Skaven because they just flood the board. You make them go first, they flood the board with all these conga lines of, of rats. Mm. Where I can only then appear from the front, and I can't even <laughs> reach. So I'm, I'm, I need to shoot stupid clan rats. Like, what a waste of my my output. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we lost oh. Matt. 
He was about to say something as well. You um, have no power here. <laughs> you have no power. <laughs> yes. We did it, Jackie Weaver. We removed it. Weaver, I, was, I was trying to log into my YouTube so I could reply to this message, but Maddie, oh, Callan, yes. pop into our Discord and send that question later, and then we can walk you through that. Yeah, it's not really probably. relevant to what we're talking about, though. No. Uh, well, the, the simple answer is you can always buy anything. If, you, if you're worried about buying models you won't play, as long as you don't buy Brock Brunson, you're probably I have, okay. I have two of them. <laughs> yes, but even if you buy him, like if you buy the Christmas box set, you can convert him into an Endra Master of Dirigible Suit, um, make sure you change the base size. Or, you know, there's... And I did do, I did a video on it, on yep. that set, and starting it might need updating soon because those sets won't be available. But, yeah, you can buy almost anything. There's no bands. Bad Everything is usable. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for Quarkonson. Um, so, multiple mortars. Even he's <laughs> usable at some extent. Yeah. So what I wanted to say before uh, my uh, my internet decided to disagree with me on principle <laughs> was something that uh, something that Max uh, was bringing up where um, he said that when you uh, play Skaven and they flood the board with models and they fill up space and now you have to shoot clan rats with with uh, ironclad carbines and and great sky cannons it is it is it's frustrating as a caradron overlords player and i hate to i hate to keep saying this and i really don't want to come off as that you know get good scrub kind of guy but like mm-hmm. honestly i think people just don't have the experience playing ko yet because of yes. you know the, the precautions that we all have to face because of this, you know, deadly virus that uh, Nurgle has uh, unleashed upon us. <laughs> um, but and and I, I there's a lack of experience there, and it's a totally new playstyle. We've never, we've almost never seen this amount of maybe old Seraphon, which uh, nobody played. They could teleport all their units on a two plus. Now they can do one. But they've never had this level of teleportation before, this amount of movement and versatility and movement, and they just haven't had the time to build up the sort of mental game plan that you have. You play Skaven, you're like, okay, they have tons of bodies and maybe some Storm Fiends and they can pop out in the Nahals. You've played against that a bunch of times or you play against your, your clubmate uh, a few times and you, you get it. And then you're like, cool, I leave one model near the Nahal and, and that's it. But it takes... You know, but then all of a sudden we can't play anymore, and this totally new way of playing the game and interacting with the core mechanics of a dice and models game comes out, and people get frustrated. I understand, but I don't. I, I, like I said, I hate to be that guy, but I, I'm not convinced that it's KO generating these negative player experiences on a fundamental level. I think it has a lot to do with people's availability to play, and then not understanding how to use terrain to your advantage to stop mm. KO's most oppressive uh, uh, function. I, I'd you... agree with that. A lot of my, uh, especially the core group of my friends that I play with know exactly how to play against KO. And they, it's it, that, that those games are completely different to the games I go to a tournament and just go through the motions. Once, once people have played a couple of games against KO and realize, okay, so that's how you do it and that's how you counter it, becomes a whole different game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more interactive because, like, okay, so my screen is here, my backup unit is here, and they're like, they, 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 every, everything's pre-screened out. My KO can only shoot the front rank, pop a couple shots out the back, but yeah, it's 
But that definitely something Kron, to do with player experience with Kron, that guy who shows up at your club once a month and only plays with the models that he's painted. Um, and he's and you show up and you play Caradron once and then you know, and then you take him off the table and that's it. And then maybe he shows up a couple weeks later and you play again. That's over the course of three months, he's played three games or four games or whatever. That's not enough to to get to, you know, especially for somebody who's not competitively minded. Mm-hmm. Mm. So maybe, it's, yeah, but it, yeah. So against those people, you might want to play. Starts yell- then he goes on the internet and starts yelling about how, how KO or are, uh, are, are, you know, doing this and that. And then what didn't really help, I think, is GW's meta watch where they had uh, 25 games. Yeah, that didn't help. 25, 25 tournament results and uh, uh, 25. In a sample across the entire world, they had 25 where we came in first place, I think, five, I think five times. Um, that is not a sample size that I would have felt comfortable putting out there as an example of the competitive scene. Mm. Yeah, that matter. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like the follow-up article where they got some some real good experts to just explain <laughs> how to beat KO. That was really good. That that that, that fixed that. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> um, yeah, we we brought up a couple of things there. First of all, is people might not actually be playing with much terrain anyway, which is probably a problem. Yeah, this um, is a thing. I think we're coming to this later. How to. Solve some of these problems. But yeah, that's one nine one like pieces. Make. Big pieces. There should be nine pieces of terrain. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because competitive, I always go six, seven pieces. At a minimum, one per quadrant with like you know, I mean, a couple a small ones to fill the gaps here and there, right? At least. One I mean, per yeah, it depends on size and stuff. It is, so, um, so there actually is. Written rules that tell you exactly mm. how many, yeah, but exactly how big. Don't forget, <laughs> um, I'm and talking where they can and cannot be. No, the, the problem with tournaments is, is tournaments, um, they're limited by what they can actually they, They're trying to fill yeah. like 40, 50, where however many tables, like if it was CanCon a few years back, it would have been 100 and something tables. So, um, what we what we do in Australia, but in especially like say CanCon. Um, the TO, uh, all tables are set up. TO will bring three pieces of terrain and put them on each table. Then mm-hmm. each player is expected to bring one large piece and two smaller pieces of terrain and set them up on that table. That's all Australian tournaments now. Mm-hmm. So you have a total of nine pieces, three large, six small, usually. Um, and that, that, that is up to the players to bring to the table and also place on the table. And yeah, you can mm-hmm. place those to, you can bring specific sizes and types of terrain that, that help you, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing is it depends how long so, you've been playing is, and that because you can build up terrain collections over time, but it's getting better now with like 3D printing. Um, um, there are companies out, a lot more companies out there available now than there was three years ago. But it's not always like it. Well, I remember when I first got into the game, it's like, yeah, just getting a table and terrain is Honestly, not necessarily an like easy thing. Making your own terrain is a matter of one hour. It's so yes, easy. It Get some styrofoam, on... just cut some rocks, stick them on a cardboard, attach a tree, make three of those hills, see your groups of little mm. trees, some rocks. Perfect. You're done. 
it stand, yeah, it does depend to do. on what, what, like your aesthetic standards as well. <laughs> you can like paint them well. I feel like if you started making Americans bring terrain to a tournament and forcing them, you'd get so many people claiming that's that's tyranny. You can't make me do that. I've got my rights. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, nice accent. Yeah. That was good. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of movement as well, I think there's this other problem where some armies can't zone out large areas of space. Mm -hmm. And... That's not necessarily uh, a problem, but you shouldn't try and do it if your army can't do it, because then you just yeah. you end up doing it. You spread out so much that we just we you know hit a flank and destroy the flank, and then if you're a sons flank. of behemoth army, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Just look, you're not here. You're not at the tournament to win anyway. You're there to have fun. Mm -hmm. Keep your gargans together, because mm -hmm. we can kill one gargan or two gargans, isolated. But if they're bunching up and, you know, now they're both... Like, if I kill this one, the other one's going to come for me. Whew, he can yeah, do exactly. damage. He can yeah, do that. If they're sitting next I, to each other and you kill one. Point. I think that brings up uh, a great point where if, if you make a mistake, Caradron overlords are really good at applying maximum pressure to that one mistake, which maybe some armies could take advantage of it and, and use that a little bit to their advantage and, and chip away a little bit. But when you make a mistake against Karadron Overlords, you are getting the full brunt of our entire allegiance on that one mistake, which just kind of blows it wide open. Yeah. And then the final thing is, it's just in Zilfin, it's even 10 times worse. Because you'll tell up someone yeah. and then you'll you'll move afterwards, which honestly I don't think that should be part of the game. Yeah, Matt, this is the part where you say movement after teleport is breaks the game. Yes, I just queued it up for you, Matt. That's why they removed they removed it recently from the Daughters of Cain book. They used to have yeah. a teleport move shenanigan, but that got axed. Any instance of tele of movement after teleportation is bullshit. And I will say that. I will die on that hill. We're getting demonetized now. Anytime you can move after redeploying or teleporting, it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. There's no point having that nine inch away if you're just going to move afterwards. There like, are things in the game that can teleport six inches. So... Yeah. Stormcast can do it. The Skaven, one of the Oh, Skaven you mean just six inches away? Can do it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, I mean, the Stormcast is seven inches away, isn't it? But, so, yeah. yeah, some of the Varengard crossbow Te shooty yeah. people. Tenable Shards and Assassins can move into one inch away. Yeah, yeah but Tenable um, Shards are not legal anymore. <laughs> is this like, is they built, is they giving you a teleport that says you have to be nine inches away and then, then there's by some shenanigans you can move afterwards and why did they make you be nine inches away well, like, i think in her, nine inches was the it's hard to make a nine inch chart mm -hmm. but now you can other... add plus four to, to your mm -hmm. ironclad charge mm -hmm. but you can see they've mm -hmm. done the same thing with shooting whereas they have tried to balance it you can see it with ko actually i'm like yeah, there is you can see the fact that they balance like archonauts don't get to use their pistols you and it's we're not the first example of it. Fire slayers 
how old are they? But they have a easy like pop up and shoot with a rune smiter. That's why all that. Uh, that's why all the throwing axes are eight inches, probably. It wouldn't matter if the throwing axes were twenty inches. Mm. They're not doing the damage. They're fives no. and fives, no rend. Like, but the, yeah, they could have made... even roll those down. No, but they could have made them ten inches, couldn't they? Like, why did they make I like? They've always was... been eight inches. Yeah, it's, really? it seemed like it. Was I mean, they have eighteen-inch uh, flame, flaming shooty people. So, yeah, but well, then you have to choose they, to take uh, the they got rid of the. Uh, Good thing they got rid of the potential game-breaking Arcanaut pistol spam, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sh and, and change those ranges because it, you know, it takes on average thirteen pistol shots to do one damage to a four-up save. So, no, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. the again, it's a case of the straw that breaks the camel's back, though, isn't it? It's just more shooting after you've teleported, and there's no it's reason. It's shooting go. from the boat. After teleporting, that was the yeah. main thing, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Zilfin just makes it yeah. worse. worse. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is that I don't know if I've really put this on the correct um, screen, <laughs> but like the glass, there's like a glass cannon melee sort of issue where KO generally won't charge with stuff like riggers or wardens unless you know you're going to delete a unit we talked about this earlier with trading and stuff it's not just a ko problem like people don't charge into things unless they know they can kill it or they you know if it's favorable favorable to them and ko especially you know you're not going to see charges um pre predominantly unless you know you you're going to destroy the model it's not like you're going to you're not going to charge six riggers into a load of half guard berserkers and then, you know, do nothing, not do very little, and then let them hit you back. Because why would you? And yes, who would do something like that? That would be mm. dumb. <laughs> and then the other thing is, a lot of our melee output isn't melee. It's not combat. It's you know it's things bombs. like the things like yeah things like dropping bombs. Which, you know, we talked about the activation wars and people don't like that. Well, what if you just, you know, all of your ships just drop, do some damage before anyone gets to fight? That's, you know, there's nothing someone can do to defend against that. Um, and then things like the, the battle ram, which obviously will be in the charge phase rather than the combat mm -hmm. phase, but, you know, it doesn't matter that you're not shooting them in some ways because it's still doing something that they can't protect against. Okay, but the battle ram makes my inner Timmy very happy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like another Timmy will appreciate it more than being shot. Um, I'm going like, to park my boat in your unit. Yes. In I've never had anybody have a negative experience. I, take that I lied. I lied. I lied horribly. <laughs> um, I crashed my boat into a, into a turtle and did 11 mortal wounds on a 14. Mm. So uh, he, he had a bad time. And he conceded soon after. Mm. But most of the time, I think out of the 10 games I played with Zahn, my opponents have generally been like, oh, hey, that was fun. I feel like in the yeah. same vein of party poppers, every time you charge someone with a battle ram, you need to blow an air horn. Yeah. I think this comes back to like the engagement thing. Like A lot of these things tick more than one box. And actually, charging some of a boat, it ticks this box of, like, they can't do anything to stop it, but it's not ticking the box of being unengaging. It's, it is engaging, 
like that experience where shooting is like it ticks the box of being hard to defend against and it's not engaging at the same time um and i think that's probably where the the worst negative play experience come from is when you're ticking more than one box with a mechanic or you're doing multiple things one after another um so i think typically the melee issues and the you know the things that people can't defend against are not so bad as shooting partly just because of shooting's reputation and partly because it's more engaging and it's inherent within the game with this trading issue so people don't think of it as a ko problem the, the the frustrating part of the impact mortal wound mechanic it's the same with stone horns is that your screens are less effective because i can charge your screen and then still pile in three inches towards your mm-hmm. your opponent that's why frost frost lords are so scary because they can like ram your thing explode your screen and then pile in six inches and still be good in, in melee combat mm-hmm. whereas the ship it can not pile in and then drop bombs it has to drop bombs previously so if you ram something they remove models your bombs are not getting used mm-hmm. and then i mean the melee output of a ship is there not good <laughs> it's just the guys inside right. um so i think we probably covered this because we actually talked about a lot of this stuff in the first yep. sort of round as well so the last one was like how does ko prevent you know fulfillment of expectations and success and things so things like kiting staying out of melee range is going to be just frustrating for a lot of armies uh yeah the i want to fight you but i can't get to you mm-hmm. things like the gale force stave as well no, that's like just... basically a lot of the things that are powerful not just in ko but in all armies is because they break the rules of the game and that at some point is gonna you know take away someone's you know, chance to do something they want to do or, you know, be something they can't defend against. Well, staying out of melee range requires you to stay away movement plus charge range. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly already then out of your shooting range. Mm-hmm. You're, so you're, there's, a, you're, there's a trade-off here. Do I want to stay safe to... from you or do I want to do damage to you? Or do I want to lim- score objectives? Because yeah. remember... Yeah. You have so to get on point at some point. It is a frustrating mechanic because people, mm-hmm. well, people when they face KO and they're used to their usual game style is I want to run towards you and hit you, but now I'm just running behind you and I'm not mm-hmm. catching you because now you're on the other end of the board and then you're going over there again. Uh, that can be frustrating, especially if you have four-inch mm-hmm. movement people. <laughs> um yeah, imagine well, if you're a trick. Like you just keep like teasing him essentially. Like I'm, I'm almost close it's entire that. entire Tire Slayer armies. Yeah. You can just if if the battle plan allows her, because it has multiple objectives, you're just jumping around, yeah. feeding them maybe one unit as a roadblock and yeah. Yeah. I mean Carl hit on the point about like objectives. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is frustrating for Timmy's. I don't think it's necessarily frustrating for Spikes or Johnny's because they will like enjoy this. 
Uh, Spike yeah. will like the fact that he gets to win the game. Uh, Johnny, I think, will like it trying to figure, like figuring out. Oh, actually, I can still win this. Like, I can do if I do this. But then the figuring out part of it only happens yeah. in the one game, and it doesn't happen the second, third, fourth times you play, maybe. And it's like, well, I've already figured this out. I'm not getting a, I'm not getting a new thing to figure out each game. No, but he gets the satisfaction from his mm. plan working. Yeah, possibly. Um, the next one is you. You remove their favorite models or the models that they were going to do the thing with. Like, if you kill someone's more crusher, then then they definitely don't want to get to charge with it. Um, you remove their. Uh, it is really important stuff. It is this ability to remove models or single units from far away mm -hmm. from turn one onwards yeah before they get to do anything fun with them yeah because before they're gonna get to use their buffs use their one per game once per game ability to blow up a terrain piece i don't know what the ability yeah. is it is uh especially if they came up with a list that revolves around one or two cool things like, yeah. I'm going to power up this guy, and then I'm going to cast this, and then I'm going to send him forward and destroy. But if I take just, away that puck here, the whole thing doesn't work. End of wind launchers, I will say being on the receiving end of uh, uh, Stormfiend wind launchers, I can definitely understand that that sentiment. <laughs> mm. I mean, I had it in the, in the old KO book. Um, in a, a 1,000 points game, my chemist got shot off first turn. Um yeah. And with the old style chemist, that was a big deal, and that mm -hmm. was very annoying because you know they rolled a six for six damage on D six damage. Oh. <laughs> so I've had I've had people start to, especially the people I've played a lot, start to just try and like they've started sniping out the guy with the spell in the bottle. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh no, hang on, that's not how that's supposed to work. I'm supposed to put a guard tap on you. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this this is the nature of the game essentially but with shooting it's a lot easier to do it um and for sofa ko it's we can do it fairly reliably um to remove key pieces so because no one cares if you kill their screen like if you drop down nine inches away and you put all your 12 inch guns into their screen no one, no one's bothered it's if you kill the thing behind the screen that they were planning they were like well you know at least if you drop down over there as long as he survives he can then counter-attack or you know they've got a, a synergy relying on having cps and so as, well, as long as this hero is alive i get a cp on a two plus or whatever each turn but no it's i mean for a lot of players i think that's gonna be this can be really annoying because how long do you think some people put into painting some models oh ages but that's yeah. that is the rule of the game the new model syndrome you finish painting you're playing it it's the first thing that dies. Mm -hmm. That's just a rule. That's usually the, the best thing. <laughs> yeah. That's just a like. You need to always play two games until you get use of your new unit. Mm. That's um, just the way it is. There's nothing we can do about that. Yeah, it's it's just going to be frustrating for people. And it's I don't. The solution obviously isn't don't kill the most important stuff because you need to. But um, it's it is something to be aware of like in a, in a fun game like that's that could be something that's going to yeah. really wind up your opponents um, we, we, we need to be differentiating between 
when we're I think this is also the next thing we're we're talking about is how to make games more enjoyable and reduce NPE. The solution cannot be just don't do this and that and don't mm-hmm. use half of your rules and just play a weak list. Cause then you're not having fun and it's just you have a feeling oh, I'm just going half half power with my army and your opponent thinks oh he's only winning because you you just downgraded your army by 50 percent yeah you don't you don't want to avoid the opponent's mpe only to have your own mpe exactly that's true well i had this experience when i set up a game against somebody who i had never met before and i told him ahead of time i'm going to be playing caradron overlords but i'm not going to i'm not going to play my you know my my tournament list i just and I had brought a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of units I wanted to try out. And they were a lot of foot thunderers and I wasn't playing an optimized list. And he was playing and then he showed up and he put down his trogs that he finished painting. And it, it still didn't go very good for him. And I, I felt bad, you know, it, it, it kind of after turn two, there was almost nothing left of his on the board. And, you know, I, I certainly felt bad and he had a good attitude about it, but I could tell that he didn't have the greatest game and that that was my fault. And. Yeah, because if you think you're like, oh, I'm not bringing a strong army, but then somebody brings spiders to the table, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> you know. So it, playing a playing a weak army or a, or a, or a watered down army isn't always going to work. It really is about you know making sure that you're on the same page with your opponent about about what to expect out of this game and what you both want to get out of the game. There's a big difference between a weak KO army and beastmen. <laughs> Yeah, it my uh, it right before that tournament con uh, that you played yeah. against my buddy Steven. Um, yeah, my one of my friends offered to play a, a practice game, and you know for practice fast rolling for him. And so he's like, "Okay, I'll, I'm gonna bring my tournament seraphon list." And my buddy is like, "Okay, I'm gonna bring Beast of Chaos." And so <laughs> uh, that game was over in 20 minutes, as uh, more. More beastmen died ch- charging the skinks than um, than skinks, right? And yep. then in the following turn, it just hero phase picked up the rest of the army. Oh. Oh, talk about man. negative player experience. We can talk about <laughs> skinks all day, but <laughs> yeah, well, Seraphon uh, were ranked highest in uh, the Warhammer Weekly survey. Uh, it's like Seraphon were like like the top three was like. Zinch, KO, Seraphon. And KO and Zinch were like on a similar sort of level, and the Seraphon was like the Zinch and KO combined. <laughs> like, well, um, yeah. So in my, uh, I'm part of a, I tell you, I'm part of, a, of two different uh, uh, worldwide GT teams mm-hmm. for uh, TTS uh, World Tournaments. And we, we think to ourselves, okay, you can have one order faction. So it's like you can, or sorry, one, yeah, so. On a team of three, you can have one order, one death, one chaos, or one um, uh, destruction, right? And you, you can have one. destruction, but no one takes destruction. Uh, we, we have we have we take a we take ogres, but um. So yeah. so when we're sitting there, we're talking about who our order player is. It's like, well, it's got to be a seraphon. Like it doesn't matter that I main KO. Like it's like mm. you don't take. It's not even comparable, you know. Like we just not even. It wasn't even a discussion the first few times we talked about it. I'm like, "Hey, Kyle, you want to take care?" Like, no. Like, it's just Seraphon is just so, so 
outright so. good in every situation. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not what this uh, that's not what this conversation. Is. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's gonna go on a whole tangent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, let's let's, let's well, finish this up. We're at two hours already. Yes. So yeah. uh, the last what, two. What was there, what was the reasons that Seraphon was up there on Warhammer Weekly's polls of negative player experiences? I didn't get a chance to watch it, but Lee, can you? Uh, you said you watched it twice. What did you know? Briefly, oh. what? what <laughs> And the tangent begins. Okay. But they they didn't, because obviously this is like just a series of questions. So they had like a question, they like, they rank like people saying, like, oh, I had bad experience against shooting and magic or whatever. And shooting was actually quite high up, but magic wasn't that high up. And activation wars was really high up. And because it was over the last two years, because there hasn't been a huge amount of cases yet. And then one of the other questions was like just to rank the armies that you've had negative player experience against, and that's like there wasn't reasons for it. They had a whole thing where people could write, you know, like a just like a submit a thing that wasn't multiple choice where they could write a field and you know pick some of them out. I think the problem with Seraphon is it's you know it just it's does so everything. Good at everything. Yeah. And they teleport and shoot. The skinks don't have to teleport. They just run up and shoot you wherever you are on the board. Crocal, you charge them, they shoot you. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't even charge them. Like they, they shoot you, and then the expectation is, okay, but then I will counter charge and destroy the unit. No, they will shoot you again and then run away, and then you can't charge them. Crocal yeah, will and blow, blow you up with mortal wounds. He spams mortal wounds over the whole entire field what, what with plus Crocal- three, plus four. It's... Croak kills heroes by mistake oh, wow. or by accident. Yeah. As opposed to like, I'm going to try and target the heroes. It's like, I just do a load of mortal wounds and oh, look, one of your heroes died. Um, I'm going to pick these six units and just do D3 mortal wounds three times in a row or something like, stupid like that. I think it's... the issue with Croak is actually the fact that you can kill him, but it doesn't even hurt the army because he's not even yeah. a quarter. <laughs> you know? Um, the the yeah. trick is killing the skin the skin priests. That's what you need to kill. Yeah, I mean that, that's one. That's the fangs of Sotek list. Uh, but not let's not make this a, a seraphim yeah, yeah, yeah. show. Yes. Um, one it. thing about the poll to keep in mind though is this is anyone filled out this poll. Anyone, the person who had one game in, in the last two years, the person who has mm-hmm. one game per week and goes to a tournament every second week this is anyone so keep that in mind when you look at these rankings maybe a lot of this uh, is just to people not being used to the army or not being as mm-hmm. seasoned players yeah well, some of these things are like recency bias so like i had a bad experience against this recently so i'm going to rank that high because i've forgotten about the experience i had a year and a half ago against this other army that was mm-hmm. worse um that sort of thing as well uh let's move on a bit um because yeah we are over two hours already so another thing that prevents fulfillment um is you you know our defensive abilities like garrisons so like well you know if they got shooting units and that makes hard like shooting off our heroes harder because uh, you're gonna be minus two to hit because even melee and yeah, and then melee, and then you know they want to try and you know charge our ships and kill our ships. Like finally, after you kited all game, they get to charge a ship. And you're like, oh, okay, well I'll re-roll my saves, and and then next turn you heal it up again because they try to destroy it. And so it's like 
They want to. They finally yeah. got, they've been chasing your ship all game, and they get to charge it, and they fail to kill it, and then it heals up to full health. That's got to be frustrating. It is. It takes so much effort to deal ten wounds to an ironclad when it's re-rolling three plus saves, and now you're healing back eight of them. It's just like, oh, why did I even invest all this? Into into shooting the ironclad or into attacking mm. the ironclad. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we need to really go into much detail more about why that's no. frustrating. I think that's self. I would. I want to point out the fact though that our heroes suck. So if anyone's actually <laughs> sniping our heroes, it's kind of like, oh, okay. They have. Mm. They do stuff for us. They do stuff for us, honestly. Right. Like, there's a reason why they're in the list. Yeah. But uh -huh. the opponent, do they care? Honestly. I, I almost never had my heroes die unless it was Croak killing them mm. just from the boat. Um, the boat died and they had to hop that, right? Like it's it depends what you're playing against because some people will have things in their list specifically to try and snipe heroes with. And then, yeah. then they and go then, Yeah, it's it. a reroll yeah. once to wound. Yeah. But only if I'm outside the garrison. So yeah, you, you don't get to use it to turn three anyway. They so never yeah. get to interact with the opponent until turn two because of their weapon ranges and their movement. Yeah. Right? Like mm -hmm. um they don't do anything in melee most of the time. Uh, um I wouldn't say that. So 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 I would mm -hmm. I, I love I love our melee heroes, right? Like they can smack when you need them to. However, realistically they are not like melee threats that you would go out of your way to destroy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's, it's one dude who has three attacks it's one dude with grudge bearer and all his shooting and then chopping you up doubling damage but it's correct to say that Cardon overlord's army functions without heroes mm -hmm. so with the exception of spell in a bottle like yeah but that's first turn and then yes. it's gone but the garrisoning thing is important with, like, if you do get someone the first turn and they have got ways to, like, yes. across the board, then it's actually yeah. not that easy for them to take out that chemist turn one. Um, yeah, unless they have mortal wounds or yes. magic, then it doesn't care about garrison. Yeah, it doesn't. What I'm saying is, is that doesn't empower the army in a way that other heroes do. So it's mm -hmm. less important. It's like, usually just kill the boat. Yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. Where the boat is the but that's where the heroes just... come in, they heal the boat. Yeah, that's that, well, and the, it's well, and Riggers do as well. But it's mostly the boat where I think this section is a problem where it's like because you'll use the gold on the boat to heal to reroll saves on the boat a lot, and then they've got large wound counts, and then you're and then you'll heal it up the next turn. So I think that's I mean, where it becomes frustrating. The heroes don't even we don't even rely on heroes for battle shock immunity because the boat does that too. No. Yeah. Well, if you're running uh, Iron Sky Iron Command, Sky Command yeah. should be. Um, should. And a, so I think that's fairly self-evident. It's mostly with the boats. Yep. Because it's anything else you can kill. But people want to kill the boats. Like, I mean, even like, the gold. And the dirigible on a free plus with gold is mm. tough to kill with eight wounds. The, the gold is such a get-out-of-jail-free card. Isn't it like it's like if you make a mistake and you've got that gold there, it can really help. It can, well, it depends what you're what, what's attacking you. If yes. salamanders are attacking you with two rend, it helps, but it doesn't stop the inevitable. Yeah, 
Well, that does mean they have to commit more to killing the boat as opposed to then killing the boat and something else, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, but... Uh, There's never anything else. There's nothing else. <laughs> yeah. uh, the last thing is, is a key one, I think, is that a lot of people miss when they're discussing discussing MP. It's like, when you're playing against Cavern Overlords, you don't necessarily win by killing stuff. I think we touched on it a little bit before. You might win by killing stuff, but you could win the game by not killing anything um, against KO. Uh, against KO? Uh, yes. Yeah, but how is that bad? Because a lot of people want to kill stuff. Kill your own stuff. Uh, but that, that's, that's, like a, that's not a specifically KO thing, I think. It's like just everything. Like You don't have to kill it to win. You just have to take the objectives. Yeah, but I can sit my, my 20 hearth guard block on the objective and win without interfering mm. with my opponent. It's up to him if he comes at me or not. I'm just sitting here scoring. I mean, we, we it's sometimes gameplay. It's so, like, I understand no, that. It's not, but that's then your opponent's choice. That's not specific to Caradon, I'd say. Uh, no, not yeah. Well, a lot of these things aren't necessarily specific to Cowdon Overlords, but these are just things that Cowdon Overlords. Says, how does KO prevent fulfillment? Yes, but it doesn't mean that the it doesn't say how does KO and no other army. <laughs> like it's yeah, but this, what I'm saying over. is this point is it originates in your opponent's army, not in yours. Maybe well, the whole this whole slide is about fulfilling expectations. So your expectations always originate from your opponent, or their expectations anyway. Um, which is the point is like if, and this comes down to the type of player they are, because a spike doesn't mind this. Uh -huh. uh, we, we touched on this with kiting. It's the same thing. It's like spike doesn't mind this. A Johnny might not mind this, but a Timmy will be annoyed because they they wanted yep. to charge the thing, and kill it. They charge the thing, and kill it, then they lose the game, or they. Or if they can charge a thing and kill it, but there was not as much combat as they hoped for. Hmm. And, then, and we've mentioned in the past about how KO could table an opponent and still lose. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of people would actually find that experience not very fun to win. Despite like some people will love it, some people will be like, huh, well, I was tabled, but I still managed to like eke out the win. That was really satisfying because they sold like. But then for other players, that would be just really annoying because they just they don't necessarily care about the points so much. They care more about huh? killing stuff. I mean, yeah, that that almost happened in my game against Steve with his with his Seraphon was I tabled him, but he but I almost wasn't able to rack up enough points at the end there to to actually beat him. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know, really, a lot of these things will come down to the the type of player you're playing against. Uh -huh. So it, that's the thing. So if we move on, because we talked about the problems, and hopefully we're gonna we've got some solutions that aren't, as you said, just playing weaker lists. Which some of them, sometimes it is going to be a case of playing weaker lists. But the most important mm -hmm. thing I think is to assess the problem, which is having a proper conversation with the opponent that says to you I don't like playing against your KO working out what it is they don't like and it's no good them saying well I just didn't find it fun okay yeah. well what didn't you find fun that's like saying you don't like a certain type of food and saying well is it the flavour is it the texture is it what is it or you don't 
it, like sometimes it's not helpful just to say it's not fun because what does fun mean for that player so i mean a simple thing would be maybe trying to get them to work out whether they're a timmy a spike or a johnny another thing you could do is just try something like what was it you wanted to get out of the game like what do like they might say well i just got bored in your shooting phase and then that's you know there's solutions to that they might say i didn't like the fact that i lost okay well then you you know you do need to get better potentially <laughs> like if that is the problem if the problem oh, is for them like a good scrub yeah if the problem if the problem for them is is that they wanted to win then that is the answer like they need to get better or they need to or you need to play they need to play with a better army or you need to play with a weaker army so that it's a balanced match so they feel like they have a chance to win but if the problem like for not all players is it a problem that they um that they want to win uh so one thing is what I always do if I won, if I lost, and I think this is a core thing to the game, is after the game, talk to your opponent. What went well, what didn't go well, what could have gone different. And they will take you, well, why did you do this and this? It would have been clever to do this and this. Ask them, just like, what could have I done better? What could have I done wrong? And they, they know their army best. So they can tell you, oh, if you would have done this, I would have been in big trouble. Okay, now you know. Now you learn. Mm-hmm. So this is, it's not just saying, oh, yeah, good game, thanks, cool. Mm-hmm. But talk well, why to don't you, Why don't you like, add another question to that? It's like, rather than what went well, of, well, as well as what went well and what didn't go well, what did you enjoy and what didn't you enjoy in the game? Yeah, what was your? They often do this uh, in the White Wolf Battle Reports. It's like the mm. the MVP unit of of mm. the the match, and the opponent nominates an uh, enemy mm. uh, model. It's like, yeah, he was great because he did that and that and that, or he killed my entire unit. That was the cinematic moment of the the entire mm. battle report. Um, maybe maybe do that. Yeah, I really like that unit. They're scary. Mm-hmm. Because of that, yeah. that, that, they might say, "I really, ha- I really hated it when you killed X model, clown one." And if you killed a different model, I wouldn't have minded so much. Um, or they might say, "I really hated the fact that I didn't get to charge. Like I failed this one particular charge, and if I'd made that charge, I would have made the game." Mm-hmm. Because even if it, even if I hadn't killed the thing, like I would have been in with a chance or something. I don't know. I mean. Oh, Matt, are you waving your hands? Do you want to say something? <laughs> so, um, I just I don't like interrupting people, so um, I hate when I have to do that to to get in. But uh, um, so I I really don't like how all of the options, well, not all the options, but the options here are uh, a lot of the options that we're talking about stem from you know retarding our ability to. Um, either put out damage or not use the units that I have painted and that I want to use and sort of, you know, almost like somebody said earlier, I believe, uh, reducing my positive play experience. Maybe not necessarily make it a negative one, but, you know, if I just finish painting my my unit of 20 Thunderers and mm-hmm. um, and, and I want to use them, and feeling like I'm going to cause a negative play experience by using them is not really a great feeling for me. And so um, 
I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't have an answer, but I don't like the options so far no, that I've heard or seen or that we've discussed. Previously. That's why this is the most important thing because funders could actually be a great solution because if they say, well, I didn't get to charge anything all game, then great. Take funders. They're going to be minus two to hit in melee. They will get to, they get to charge them. Because you're putting them where they can charge but them. But now you're just being right. evil. You're luring them yeah. in. <laughs> and then they get double shots back. They're in combat. Yeah, yeah. but they might. Yeah, but you're, it depends you on your opponent. Because your opponent might not care about whether that model, that unit dies after Yeah, but that's a very specific opponent. He just wants to charge and then not do stuff. No, I don't, yeah, know. I, I, don't know. I don't know. Um, what I'd say I... is if you have a, a strong list and your opponents are frustrated by it, there's other strong lists. Yeah. That try those. You can we, we've covered so many. Try other lists, play them, learn them, and as you do, you will have games where uh they will go different. Don't go and, spell in, we said avoid spell in the bottle. It's not to say don't take the spell in the bottle, don't take Vortex because it's just offensive and uh, mean, but take a list that doesn't use it. Take a list that uses Flare Pistol and um, or, play that list a little bit. Take Cogs. Take, take, yeah, take, 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 take Cogs. Take Cogs is your spell, is spell bottle. It's, it's so a different approach, fair. and people might enjoy it more because it's not the, oh, my entire army is under a, a rat spell turn one. So I tried to put these in a little bit of an order. So the, the, fir ah, okay. the first thing is assess the problem because then you can actually try and work out what your opponent doesn't enjoy. Um, these three here, so avoiding spelling the bottle, decreasing shoot profiles and taking melee options are all about maybe giving your opponent... Either a decreasing the length of time in your turn where they're not doing anything, or um, in giving them the option of you know doing something in your turn. So if you don't take spin the bottle, and it's particularly if you don't take walk riding vortex, which is actually a little bit awkward setup, then your hero phase is quicker. Um, I believe those three options are also known as take bags on. Yes, uh, yes, fair enough. I think bags on is a great way. It to is, play but it's not. It's not free of MPE, I can tell you. No. Doing yes. 13 multiple wounds to a Bastillodon. Yes, well, we brought that up. Bad fields. <laughs> but we, no, depending on the opponent you're playing against, they might prefer taking 13 mortal wounds on a charge to taking 13 wounds in the shooting phase. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> so decreasing shooting profiles is what Kyle mentioned right in the beginning, which is if you take Thunderers, just take rifles rather than special weapons. Or if you take riggers, only take the pistols rather than like the three different weapons, so that you can just speed it up a bit. Yeah. Have and your dice ready, prepared, mm -hmm. grouped in the weapons. So have your four cannons, have your uh, thirty thirty-eight other ones. Have them ready, roll them. Yeah. And it, it makes things so much easier. Yeah, these are list you... options, but there are yeah. other options as well for speeding things up. Yeah. So. Um, and then another thing is, so then then the next one was was like them not feeling that like they don't have a chance to defend against things. So my top this uh, uh, shout out actually for this is like the the person that come up to this is Stuart from Northern Invasion. Um, they do good battle reports, so go check them out. Uh, but switch armies with your opponent. 
and I think this is a great thing to do because you both like you both get, you get to have a game. You both get to understand each other's army better because you're you you yeah. the understanding of an army is hugely better once you've played it, as in like you're controlling it, and they all get to experience like the like the problems of like oh actually I can't fly high there because there's terrain there, and because you know all the weaknesses of KO, and they know all the weaknesses of their army. Mm-hmm. it's going to be a very interesting game you can do it more than one game as well to do different battle plans and stuff but they get a much better understanding for how to screen out shooting and stuff and that's a great rather than you just telling them oh well, you should have done this like they get to feel it in a visual and by playing a game of oh well this is how i get better at defending and shooting all right i'm gonna have to head off sorry guys no problem thanks for joining us no worries um, Hi, catch you next time. See you soon. Next week. Night. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I don't think we're going to be much longer anyway. Uh, but yeah, switching armies. I mean, what do you guys think of that? Fantastic. Um, it's a it's a fun thing, especially when your opponent says, oh, there's no way I can beat this. And then you take his army and beat your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're just showing him, see, it's possible with your army. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also kind of BM. <laughs> I've, I've said mean, that. I haven't, <laughs> told, I haven't done it, but I've told people, like, man, dude, like, if you want to swap, I can show you how to beat. Like, KO's not good. You know? <laughs> there, there's. I'm trying very hard to win these games. Um, you know, I like to say that most armies are attack move armies. Like, when you're playing an RTS, you press A and you select the other side of the map. That's what most yeah. armies in this game are. You can't do that with KO, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, I think this is a great thing you can do. And it's just like, well, if they, as soon as they go, they see your army, they go, oh, you've got KO again. Go, oh, well, I thought we'd change it up. And you can you can run the army, and I'll run yours. And uh, it, it might take some more explaining in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. During the game. So now you can do this and this and this. Uh, can I, what, what can I actually do? Mm-hmm. But if you bring them, I know, bring them your cheat sheet, mm-hmm. your army list, your little, you know, AOS reminders list. Yeah. Maybe they'll get a chance a cool to thing. see how mediocre uh, Caradron overlords really are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, all, of a sudden mean... you, all of a sudden you use terrain and then you move your units up and flood the open space and then they can't fly high anywhere and they're just like, oh, shit. Oh, why didn't I do that before? And it's like mm. I have no idea because you can't. What is the what's this the distance between two units that you wouldn't be able to fly high into? Was it eighteen plus the width of the ironclad? So yeah. you're looking at about like twenty four inches between two units where an ironclad couldn't fit into in, in two mm. straight lines. And then you're just like, oh shit, wow, I never realized that before. And it's like, well. I nobody ever told you to put the linchpin of your army six inches behind your screen, you know. <laughs> no, I mean what you don't want to do is if you do this is intentionally make it a very negative experience for them to play like to actually control the okay, like you don't want to go up well, we normally play with six pieces of terrain, but you know what, for this game, why don't we put twenty on? And uh, you don't intend like play it the same way you'd normally play a game. Don't like Intentionally, but that's that's one thing. Um, use the GHB rules for terrain setup. Mm. 
Yeah, we probably should have had that on the screen. But and good thing. that changes a lot. It changes how KO can play and move. Because mm -hmm. actually, if you follow those rules, the board is super cramped. Mm -hmm. It's like a mini wargaming table. It's like terrain everywhere. Like no space to put down anything. And uh, secondly, it also helps to hide heroes from line of sight shooting. Mm -hmm. Terrain is a big deal. And that's, I mean, maybe like I first round having all heroes safe because they're sitting behind walls and, and rocks. Changes uh, I don't know, maybe my club uses a normal amount of terrain or like a, a lot of terrain, but I, I really have very difficult times. Well, I guess my old club now, and I won't be playing in uh, Northern Virginia uh, anymore, probably. That's a little but, bit of a um, for you. Yeah, yeah, it would. You're going to have to so, fly high. I, <laughs> but like, I, I don't really ever have a whole lot of options just to you know move my army wherever i want on the on the board i i you know, move my my ironclad wherever i want on the board i so i don't know maybe i'm coming at it with a little bit of different perspective than people who play on planet bowling ball <laughs> no i mean i've definitely experienced the issues with like having particularly if you also play on a on a game where there's lots of objectives because there's a tendency to put the terrain in between the objectives mm -hmm. as well even though the terrain only has to be three inches from the objective people like trying to put it not on the disc at all and then that really decreases where you go once you then start putting units around as well but yeah playing with more terrain i think this could be would make a massive difference especially if you make sure that both deployment zones have got a line of sight blocking terrain piece mm -hmm. And don't um, take woods because they don't block line of sight. Yes, yeah. <laughs> against flying. Uh, so that that was one, and then the last three. Um, these ones are more about giving your opponent more chance to succeed. Mm. Self self comp. Yeah, they're sort of self comp, and they're not because there's advantages to them as well, in some ways. Like, don't rely on fly high is self-comp playing, playing a high drop list you like you get more units and stuff into your into your army um it's it that's an interesting thing you can do because it's like well you get to play with more models um they get the chance of well they get to decide who goes first so they get some decision making nice and early on they can choose to push forward if they want to or they can choose to you know, they might if they choose to make you go first and then you go and delete after I'm like, well, you chose to let me go first. Um, so take some ownership of that. Um but yeah, playing high drop list I think is is an interesting way to play because then you can get a new experience out of the it's not just self comp as in I've got a weaker list is I've got a larger list and I'm gonna learn a slightly different style of play. Because a high drop list is not necessarily always worse. Mm, high drop is not just who starts the game, but it's, I, I lose my artifact from the mm -hmm. battalion. I lose the battalion's ability, uh, and I gain what, one unit, like free engine riggers for those hundred points. 
I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that depends. On I mean, Iron Sky Attack can be a high drop list. Escort Wing can be a high drop list. You don't necessarily battalion. You don't, don't have to necessarily lose a battalion, um, but you could have. But just by you know, you can look at it. It's like, well, if I take the battalion requirements and say, well, I don't necessarily have to go for these to be low drop. What could I take instead? And then you're giving yourself some different options. Because a lot of the problem with self-comp is if you see it from a negative perspective of, well, I don't get to use it, well, yeah, but that means you get to choose something else instead. Um, so, and, you know, there are high drop lists that are good. Um, so, and it's, but it just gives your opponent more agency. It means that you're less likely to double turn. We said our double turning could be a big problem. Um so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, not relying on fly high so much. I mean, it's an awkward one because you you know you can't just not take ships. You can. Um, you can, but uh, barrack like, ring. But then I'm bringing over. Yeah, just play the light string army. It's yeah. great. Barrack ring with all balloons and other dwarfs. Exactly. Um, but again, it's. I want to play my KO. I don't want to play Fire Slayers, which I don't even know. But um, if you try, just I don't, I don't know how the best way of approaching this one is because it's not relying on it so much. So it's say if you build a list where you have you you still have this combo, but you're going to take the options where you give a little bit of extra movement to the ship and stuff. And then you're gonna move the boat forwards to then disembark and stuff. Like it's a little bit more difficult. Or you can then look at the options of well, if I, I could fly high over there, or I could fly my ship normally, but I will get to go on this bit of terrain. And I don't know. It, it's a lot of restricting yourself from using one of the most potent things in the army, like yeah. the core, the core idea. Or the core strength of our army is I'm not going to say teleport um, <laughs> flying high around mm-hmm. uh, taking it, that away is like I'm not going to use gold yeah. but other ways other mm. right for instance I know Dave on the show but I know he doesn't actually fly high that much and he actually just flies the ships around a bit and he, it's not mm. like he never flies high but yeah, but then that's a, a list or tactic decision and not a I'm not gonna fly. Yeah, which, well that's why I'm not advocating like, just then I can just play allegiance order with cardon units. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating no, I'm, still they can still fly. I'm not advocating I, I mean you know, I, I don't removing I don't, it from the game. I don't I don't use fly high a lot. I usually most of the times I my ironclad. I maybe fly high once a game with the Ironclad. I don't play with a lot of sky vessels either. I like a lot of ground troops. I, I use a lot of ground Arcanauts, ground Thunderers, and a big block of engine riggers with an Ironclad usually is kind of what I go for. And um, I found that being able to move within that nine-inch bubble is sometimes more advantageous for me than being able to go anywhere. Um, yeah. especially when I've got twi- and I'll even overload the ironclad with 20 Arcanauts and I'll take the five, the five move hitch, uh, you know, the five move, five inch movement hit 
um, especially when I can run and shoot turn one and I've got 20 Ar uh, Arcanauts in there with pistols. I can move within six inches and then unload with all of them inside. Um, and, and, you know, I, I honestly don't rely on fly high almost at all. I started playing with a couple of gun haulers recently in my last list and I'm like, oh yeah, I can go all the way in the corner, can't I? <laughs> So I, I don't know. I I, I think uh, um, I'm not sure relying on fly high is going to do much to avoid a negative play play experience. This comes back to assessing the problem because it depends what your opponent identifies as the things that they find annoying. So if they say, "Well, it's annoying that you can just be anywhere you want," then that's when you consider this. Um, and then it might be that you then and it depends on the list you're playing because if you're playing with like lots of gun haulers. Um, and then you you can you can have ships all over the place, then that might be why they find it annoying because you literally can threaten everywhere and do, um, and then maybe you try playing that one up. Um, it's an awkward discussion to have because a we don't know what list the a person is potentially playing that a person is having a negative experience against. B, we don't know what they're finding negative about their experience. And then so then you have to try and come up with solution C without knowing A and B. And it's we can make guesses to that. So we can make guesses to like, well, the, you know, most people are probably play playing Zilfin. But mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a case of if you only take one ship rather than two, then then you've got you can fly high but you can't threaten two places you can only threaten one and that make just that difference makes it more enjoyable for your opponent and your choice to say not have a gun hauler in your iron sky command but then you get some thunderers instead doesn't necessarily make your list worse does that make sense yeah but it's Hard edge, I'm weakening my army. Or I'm not playing <laughs> what I want to play. Well, yeah, oh. but then... It's, well, so you, you're saying taking a gun hauler out of an Iron Sky Command and putting Thunderers in is weakening the list, or... I mean, you could say it's not playing what you want to play, but isn't trying new things an enjoyable experience? No, definitely is, but I painted... I bought this army, I painted it, I'm going to play it, now you have a, a negative experience you don't want to play against me it the solution shouldn't be i need to buy other units um yeah well, i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna advocate that you have to go and buy units you didn't want yeah, well i'm not gonna steal got, them no, um, if you've got them already <laughs> like look yeah if i got them you've got them already then yes you know, but then okay, i own these units i own these units and they're just gonna be in my in my uh uh, covered because I'm not when I take them if when I play my free ironclads you're having a bad time I mean if you go free so I, I think I that one of the <laughs> I think one of the best options here was to switch opponent switch armies with your opponents so they can really see the game from your perspective they'll be able you know they'll be able to gain some um, insight onto how to fight the army if they get to pilot it once mm -hmm. or twice and um, I think once they get a better knowledge and a little bit more experience on how the army operates when they play their own army against your caravan overlord's army 
um, it's going to be a positive play experience because KO is still very good. And I think once people do get um, get a, a, a feel for how the Army plays and its weaknesses, they the, it'll be a better experience for both players. Because let's be honest, other than other than Kron, does anybody like just taking their model their opponent's models off the board? Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, I do like killing things when my dice allow me to. It doesn't happen very often, but I do enjoy it. Especially so, when they're elf models. Yeah. Oh, so one thing I want to say is like these are you know potential solutions, but I'm certainly not advocating to all of them. Um, and they all come back to to assessing the, the problem. But you can pick one or two and combine them. So, for instance, not relying on fly high, your opponent, what they might hate about fly high is when they do get you in combat, then you zip off out of it. So how about you take both of those and combine them and you do more like what Carl does and you put build some combat into your ship so you have an Admiral and an Endron Master and you go, well, well I'm not going to fly out high out of combat because actually if I'm in combat, I can do some damage. And then, because they might not be annoyed about the fact that you can go all over the board, they might just be annoyed about the fact that when you finally get into combat, you you leave, so you stay in combat and you do damage. That's a great point, Lee. That's a really great point. Um, so I think that it's not. I think it's a perspective thing of: Am I going to comp, or actually, am I going to try and look at a? A different way style of playing that is mm. still strong but does things slightly differently um the last thing we've got on here is um putting units onto an objective um because you know if they like charging and killing things and if you've got models on an objective then they will enjoy that now that's does seem like a like you, you know you just throw a model that's just suicide <laughs> but it depends like Barrett Mornar is a keen, a good example. You play with a larger force and you have more bodies and you do have models of objectives. And it works for some players. You can't say it's a bad army because, you know, short tournament won a uh, tournament with it. And uh, so did uh, Carl, Carl Long. And Matt's done well with it. Um, you could look at things like Kron's version of the Zilfin, like, drop where he has collectors so then he has three units of Arconauts and you know they push forward and sit on objectives well you know eventually they will get charged and they will die but then if you're playing against someone that likes to charge things and kill things and they might enjoy that more than you know you playing where you deploy everything in the corner and completely you know fly high all over the place it on, it, it's all going to come down to what your opponent isn't enjoying. We uh, one last thing is, I think it's the last thing. Unless you guys have got more to add, is we touched on Zon. I think Zon is a great option for for doing something that's a very different play style. That mm -hmm. if you normally play Zilfin or something or Urbaz, that yep. can be more enjoyable for. Some I think three is actually the best one. If you got built, you haven't built. That's if you got the Sky Wardens built and you haven't built the uh, thirty or forty engine riggers. Yeah, your opponent is saying to you, "I don't want to play against your KO," and you go, well, "Right, well, I'm not going to go out and buy a whole new arm, but will you let me proxy my engine riggers as Sky Wardens?" 
and I'll play a completely different style. And then, <laughs> okay. Because if they want to compromise a little bit, they say, no, you've got to go. No, I'm not doing that. It's like, they've got to be willing to compromise to some extent if they're saying that I don't want to play against your Cowden Overlord. So that's what I enjoy playing against him. And I've got this solution that might make it more enjoyable for you, but it involves proxying. Are you okay with that? And they'll be like, well, yeah, if you think it's going to be more enjoyable for me, then I'll try. I'll, yeah, I'll give that a go. Mm. So regarding Barakzon, I've been playing it recently. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, it's stronger than Zilfin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, because it it's offers okay. it offers answers and solutions against armies that um, Zilfin struggles. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to play against Aizen of Deepkin with and Nurgle. Uh, yeah, I haven't played against Nurgle, but um, for the hit those armies. Uh, instead of just a Zilfin Vortex or Zilfin Thunderous in your face, mm-hmm. Flare Pistol. So Sorry, I heard Nurgle and I came running as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there was a tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I lost Nurgle so much. There's a tree. <laughs> There's a tree, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, tr- try it. It's fun. It's a different playstyle. Um, it's. I mean, we don't offer the the solution here. Cardon are strong. Some of the MPE is rooted in the game mechanics as they are currently. Mm. How rules work currently. How war scrolls work currently. Um, we're not the only offenders. We are a offender. Uh, acknowledgement is the the first step to betterment. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Basically. Talk to your opponent what exactly they didn't like. Uh, use more terrain. Switch it up. Explain to him. Don't be, oh, you should have done that and that. But if you do this, I can't do this. Explain to him. Make them understand what the problems are for your army. When they start doing that, even Vortex, if they deploy their units, their big units, in a way you can't set up that Vortex inside the unit or around it, but in front of it, yeah, okay. <laughs> then that's a, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Because you can keep all those little... You don't need to put all your units like in a big block. They can all be one inch apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And 20 models then can spread out over a big area. There's no way you can set up that Vortex model in there. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. It is true. Yeah, it's I something my opponent did like second game against Vortex. He took all these Phoenix cards and spread them out. Like he said, yeah, you can put it down, but just in front of me. Mm-hmm. Not that Vortex works especially well against Phoenix card, but that's mm-hmm. a different matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the one uh, thing Stephen says in the chat is taking a different spell. He takes us the um, Stormcast Eternals, Deus Arcanum. Oh yes, <laughs> armor rider cloak. Yeah. Yes, I mean that's save. Twelve I, I I use realm scourge rupture in the spell in the bottle quite quite mm-hmm. a bit. I really enjoy it. It synergizes with uh, a lot of the things I like to do. Multiple navigators, uh, Mornar um, charge debuff. We talked a lot about that in the Mornar show, um, and uh, uh, it's not as uh, hated as spell in the bottle or as a warp lightning vortex. So when I mm-hmm. tell people I have a spell in the bottle, they're they 
you know, get Solon. And I'm like, but I brought the uh, Realm Scourge Rupture. And then they're like, oh, okay. Until I hit them with it. And they're like, oh, that sucks too. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Vortex is a thing of the past. It's yeah. snake time from here on. I guarantee it. It's snake um, time. That 40 is points. So March 2020. <laughs> I got mine. I got my box upstairs. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So 40 okay, points. Well, we're coming up to three hours now. So I think yeah, let's wrap this yeah. up. Um, I think that was a good enough conclusion. Have fun. Yes. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> be, be more engaging. Smile think when of, you shoot them off. Smile. Yeah, think, think of ways that you can just make your turn just a bit more fun. In, name all your characters. Yeah, name your characters. Yeah, that's a great thing. Um, consider, work out with your opponent what it is they don't enjoy, and then be creative on your solutions with that. Don't necessarily think about it from a perspective of comp. Think about it of, well, what can I try that's a new experience for me that might be more enjoyable for them? Then? And then, yeah, I think that's it. Um, yep. I'm sorry we haven't got a magical solution, but there isn't a magical solution to please. No, every we don't make the rules. Every different type of player that exists. Um, we mentioned Nurgle towards the end there. We do have a show coming up soon. I'm not sure on the date. Well, I don't want to announce the date yet in case things change, but we might have uh, Mr. Paul Conti on the show to teach us how to beat Nurgle coming up soon. And uh, mm -hmm. next week, we are having AOS Coach on the show to talk about Tempest Eye. Uh, not from a perspective of beating them, but from, you know, putting lots of Caldron Overlords flying around in Tempest Eye. Oh, yeah. Uh, Make KO even better. Yeah. So <laughs> check those out when they come up. I uh, hope people found this helpful and enjoyed watching. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, for joining me on the show and Con as well um, and for everyone that enjoyed in the chat and uh, yeah we'll see you again next time Skyfarers thank you very much bye